You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 118 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined this week by Jeremy Paxton. Hunter uh, is still recovering, I guess, from surgery, and actually, no, he's, he was working the Texans game, which was quite atrocious, and Jeremy will get into that in just a second. But we've got a, uh, a fun show for you today, and, and, and as most of you know, we haven't talked a lot of NBA basketball here in the past few weeks and months because uh, the Astros. I mean, we were just consumed with the Astros and what they were doing in the postseason, uh, you know, winning the World Series, what it meant for the city, and then, of course, we go on vacation for two weeks, so... We wanted to make up for it, and we brought on Lee Jenkins from Sports Illustrated, uh, head guru, head senior writer for uh, Sports Illustrated, covers the NBA. We talk everything from Rockets to uh, LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball. Also, where does LeBron James end up next year? So stay tuned for that interview. And uh, also, we've got the guys from The Roommates on uh, a great podcast here in Houston. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But Jeremy, you were at the Texans game today. Uh, Disaster. Oh, absolute disaster. Uh, I was... You know, Tom Savage, of course, every time he starts, I, I cringe. And I'm like, all right, so uh, when's the defense going to get a touchdown? Because that, that's literally what I have to hope for. And, and if we're what ever was your going thought to, when Clowney went down? When Clowney went down, well, first of all, I mean, we had several guys go down with concussions in the first half. It was ridiculous. But when Clowney went down, I was like, all right, that's it. I think we're done. And, you know, I was right. And, of course, you know, um, Savage went out as well with a concussion. And Yeah, okay. And here's what concerned me. Like, two plays after Savage goes down, TG8, who's the only quarterback left on the roster, has a quarterback keeper to the right side. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, slide, do something. Because if he gets hit, Shane Leckler is your quarterback. I mean, do you want that to happen? I mean, it could be a better option. I don't, at, this point, <laughs> I, I, at this point, I could be a better quarterback. I mean, it's, it's that I don't bad. know that you're uh, as mobile as uh, TJ Yates or Shane Leckler. Is that a fat joke? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm I, insinuating. I, <laughs> Yates, actually, he had a couple flashes of brilliance there, especially with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and he escaped out of the pocket and could have made a couple of really good runs and just chose not to. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, there was potential there. He just, it was obvious, though, that, you know, Savage was sitting in that spot and he was just kind of, you know, not even thinking about playing in this game. So what's the answer if you're a Texans fan? Do you continue to watch the Texans or do you just turn it off? Just watch the Rockets, who are the best team in the NBA right now. I think the answer is obvious, but if TG8 is playing, I definitely will flip the channel around. Okay. All right. So that, that's good. You won't watch the game specifically, but you'll you know flip back and forth. I like that. But uh, So we had mentioned just a few moments ago that we have uh, the guys from The Roommates on, and that's Afiz and Chris. Uh, they are actually here in studio with us right now. So we're going to have a full segment with you guys here in just a few moments. But uh, for those that aren't familiar with The Roommates podcast, it's, it's a great podcast. We've got, I don't know, like a podcast, I don't know, friend group posse. I, I don't know. That would be Luke Bronner, who we had on last week. And then, uh, of course, Afiz and Chris this week. And I was on the show, what, I don't know, three four weeks ago i had a lot of fun i mean we were just i don't know talking for an hour and a half and it i just loved it we were talking kaepernick we were talking lavar ball it was it was so much fun but for those that aren't familiar with you guys and what you do over at the roommates first off give us an introduction and tell us about your show Yo, what's good, people? It's your boy, Hafiz. It's Chris, the star of the show, baby. And, and yes, indeed. We are the roommates. And I'm not going to lie to you. That was very hard because I'm used to always talking. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. I got to say a word. But uh, what's, what's good, everybody? Welcome, welcome. We're excited about being here. I'm so glad to be here. Excited to, uh, you know, talk, you give know what my mean? point. Do what we <laughs> do. Opinion. Put a little sauce on the show, as yeah. he, you know, <laughs> he know as we do. But yeah, our, basically our podcast is a late night conversation taking you behind the scenes of becoming an adult. We feature all types of crazy, wild people, 
crazy conversations and some ben- wild and crazy perspectives. So it was just a really fun, really fun experience, man. We've been doing this in the city. We have uh, my man Austin on the show. We're super excited about gonna be um, being here. Uh, Jordan, anything you want? Oh, well, his name is Chris. I call him Jordan sometimes. Oh, see, you got to stop confusing people. Okay, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> we got to call him Chris on, on this show. You got to stop confusing people. But yeah, I basically told Alfie, I'm not having these late night conversations with you anymore. Real? Unless I can get paid Oh, so you're giving it. the origin story. <laughs> yes, that was originally what okay. happened. Like, I'm tired of being up 2, 3 in the morning talking yeah. about whatever. Yeah. Well, if we could do it. Yeah. Get yeah. Eventually, Let's get paid. Eventually, hopefully. Let's get paid. That's what we're hoping for, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, that, that's that's sort of what we wanted to start the podcast for, is just conversation with friends. And yeah. if people listen, that's great. And yeah. if, I don't know. That's yeah. the coolest thing. When you when you have feedback, people listen to your show, and they yeah. actually, I don't know, when we were gone in Greece, I had a few text messages like, hey, it's Monday. Why don't you guys have a show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that's dope, because the biggest thing that we did with our show is we, we like open-minded conversations. We feel like in society, um, so many people are not open to views opposing to theirs, and they automatically shut it out. Um, I got to tell this quick story. I, ahead, I, I'm sorry. Ahead. You know, I got to tell a good story. But this girl, <laughs> this girl on Twitter, she listened to our podcast, and she said, um, I'm 10 minutes in. It's absolute trash. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, then, whoa, right. and then we were just talking to her, and, and then she said, uh, I made some like Hispanic joke, and Chris was talking about Latina women, and I started singing a cucaracha. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and then she got offended by it. But I was like, you know, honestly, with our show, like, uh, we all need to grow, you know. We're nobody's perfect, but you have to sit in because there's just so much range, yeah. And you have to be open minded to some things are going to offend you, like the same way something that she says might offend me. But to be comfortable and confident and accepting all beliefs and really hearing people out, that's why I'm super excited about being here. Um, and that's what we really want to create a community of which people. Just you don't have to agree, you don't have to like it, but yet you at least respect it. And that's that's the great thing about yeah. your show is I you know when I listen to it you have differing opinions yeah and even if it's something that you clearly don't agree with yeah. you you are still open minded about it and that's also one of the elements that I like about y'all show that you know we don't do is yeah. you guys do video oh, as yeah. well and so you get to actually see the the facial reactions <laughs> behind yeah, yeah, yeah. you know some of the comments you get to see the uh, the energy the the excitement behind yeah. some of those things and, and and for us you know sometimes when we're laughing or joking around it doesn't always come across <laughs> right. but when you guys put that on tape yeah i love it yeah you yeah, guys should yeah. go video next what's, 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 what's stopping what's you what's stopping y'all we don't have a cameraman oh for real no. why don't you, you, you wait, don't you do videos i do yeah why don't you well, and, and hold on hold on and i i, I for, and don't forget to mention that um some of the you know hosts are nude when we do this so that's true typically yeah, that's, typically, that's, typically that when hunter records he's nude you know? and you know we we want to make sure it's suitable for everyone no, i'm just okay. joking want to keep it PG-13. Sometimes. (laughs) As you take a sip from your beer. (laughs) (laughs) You're drunk. (laughs) All right, but we're going to have you guys back on in just uh, a few minutes. But uh, yeah, before we wrap up, I guess, this intro, get to the Lee Jenkins interview. And feel free to comment on this, guys. Uh, Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night uh, overwhelmingly. I I think it was the third most votes ever uh, for Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Bryce Love finishes second, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, I guess former Heisman Trophy winner. Lamar Jackson finishes third. Uh, Jeremy, I know you're not a Baker Mayfield fan. Uh, did the Heisman no. trust the voters? Did they get it right? <laughs> I think they did. I think it, he was, I mean, the, the vote total speaks for itself. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know of uh, the season he's had. I, I can't think of him not getting the Heisman. I mean, arrest record and everything, you know. Um, uh, I'm, of course, my feelings about Baker Mayfield are, in, are, of course, linked to OU and my feelings about Sooners. But, you know, I, I, I wish him all the best. Uh, but, you know, if uh, the, you know, if 
Heisman Heisman winner is their tracker in the NFL as any predictor, then he may or may not pan out. So, so. I'm going to open this to both of you guys. Okay. Um, a lot of comparisons are people that don't necessarily watch college football on yeah. the regular. They've been comparing Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel. Yeah, and I favorite, can't stand that's that. That's my favorite um, college football player. Really? Yes. <laughs> Johnny football? Johnny football and Reggie Bush. Johnny football. <laughs> Johnny money football. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that money! <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So does, is is that a fair comparison? Or uh, off the field wise, yeah, of course. The, on the field, definitely not. Definitely yeah, not. yeah, on the field, no, definitely I don't think so. Not. Definitely not. Johnny, Johnny had way more sauce. Johnny had too much sauce. <laughs> too, oh much sauce. too much sauce. Too much sauce. Like the sauce he had, that, that man won a game and then went to UT and party. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, <laughs> how much sauce do you have to have man. to go to your rival school and just party? And be like, what's yeah. up? Well, the, you know, he had a he had a he had a, a Longhorn tattooed on his ribcage. I mean, the guy wanted to go to UT yeah, initially. Man. His parents had groomed him to be yeah. a quarterback at UT, and then you know things didn't work out there. So he mm. you know, Matt, Matt Brown passed him over. Didn't Matt Brown offer him as like a safety? Yeah. Well, oh, and, and to be fair, he also he also offered RG three as, as a safety. safety. Yeah. 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 Well, so Matt, two Heisman. Why you're fired? Bad decision making. You got to look in the in the future. He I wasn't know. a visionary. I know. Gosh. But not um, Baker Mayfield. I think this year was like one of the worst Heisman's in years. Yeah. One of the absolute worst. Think about it. Baker, there, there was no competition. There was no competition. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Bryce Love, who? Lamar <laughs> Jackson, no disrespect. Typical black quarterback he play. F- and he fell off. He f- um, even though he had a better year last year, yeah, stats-wise, yeah. but he yeah. fell off. You know, I was, I, I'm was. i a big, and I'm not, Lamar, if you're listening, listening right here, I love you. I was a big Lamar Jackson fan. I was really hoping that going into the offseason, he'll improve his mechanics. He'll, go, he'll get over 50%. Um, accuracy, um, pass complete, completion rate um, rating. First three games, extremely o- underwhelmed. Terrible. Extremely underwhelmed. Maybe you know he cleaned up shot, but I'm, I'm a kind of guy. That's why I love Johnny Menzel. Besides the LSU game, obviously when Johnny Menzel got embarrassed, I want to see who you are when you play against the best. And when Lamar Jackson played, he always got those video game numbers against subpar competition. Right, right. And so for me, it's just. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't impressed by this Heisman at all. So in that case, you're probably pretty high on Deshaun Watson, considering what he did against Alabama the two times he I played love, him, what he's I done love in the NFL. Him. I love him. I love him. And actually, I'm a bit disappointed with Deshaun Watson. Man, roll time, first of all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that out there. I'm a bit di- disappointed because uh, when I was teaching in Fort Worth, he came to my school to speak to my students. And my football team was really excited about meeting him. And he came in, spoke, and left. Didn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> yes. But he spoke, though. But he didn't say anything. The kids <laughs> wanted to see him, wanted a picture, wanted. <laughs> he, didn't he didn't even. He was a college student at the time, right? Or was he graduated? He was he just... I, mean, okay. he, I mean, it was after the season. Okay. Yeah, he didn't say nothing to no kids. He was a superstar. He ain't got to say nothing. Let his plates talk, did you, do all did the you stuff. Did you do something to a It would be him. nice. No, right? I didn't do anything. Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> think about it. Come on. It'd be the nice. kids. Well, like, he literally came, did his speech, and walked out. And it made us mad because we felt like it was just a, a, a press thing. Because the huh. thing was like the, the, the quarterback of the year award, something they connected to Dallas. Yeah. So he came, did a little speech. The, 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 the newspaper was there, took pictures with everybody but the students. Wow. It isn't, it isn't that story that every like kid wants to tell, like, I got to meet so-and-so, yeah, right? And it's yeah. like, that inspired me yeah. to be to want to be like him. Well, he's got a story like that, too. Yeah, I mean, he comes with Cam Newton. Well, he comes from a, a, a low-income family, I think a single mother. And yeah, if yeah. I remember correct, there was 
what is what is the home building? Uh, somebody help me here. Um, Habitat for Humanity. Habitat, Habitat for yeah. Humanity. I believe yeah. I believe Wart Dunn is you oh, know wow. f- former running back for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks is a huge uh, Habitat for That's Humanity person. Yeah, and he actually built Deshaun Watson and his Whoa. family home when he was like ten years old. So I'm I'm really surprised that he's not reciprocating that. Well, technically, people from Atlanta think Wart Dunn is from Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw that out. Right. <laughs> the ATL Hotlanta. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. First of all, they got lucky they won a championship. Number one. Who? Clemson? Yeah, Rolls Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely I'm not. A, okay, I'm an Alabama fan because I actually know Jalen Hurts personally. Fair enough. So it's like, you know. I'm roll with Roll Tide all the way. I think we're going to get it. I think, I think Jeremy is an Alabama fan by proxy. Whoa, whoa! whoa that's <laughs> did, 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 did you la- did you listen to my last comments? <laughs> did you ask about Nick Saban <laughs> and how he has a lock on his desk that locks the door to his office? Oh, very true. So does Matt wow, Lauer. I did not so know that. He does. He has like the supervillain button on his desk <laughs> oh, that wow. locks the door, and you know what? whatever he wants to do. I'm in not going to yeah. let you out of here until you commit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to sound right here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But, uh, okay, so Baker Mayfield wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Oklahoma, of course, going to the college football playoff. We'll talk more about the college football playoff as we uh, get closer to uh, the 1st of January. Lord. Uh, gosh, I can't wait. That's a I can't wait. Now. I can't wait. We both predicted Oklahoma would win the championship last week on the podcast. Roll Tide. And I've been 2-0 the last three That's years. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Jeremy, who knows nothing about sports, is it's true. Yeah. really good at predicting. It's true. <laughs> he also predicted the Astros, which we, we were shocked on. But all right, so we'll get, into, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that uh, here in just a few weeks. But uh, really quickly, if you want to follow our work, you can just uh, search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Yes, also, sir. you can go to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. We post uh, each show run down there each Monday morning after mm. we post the shows. Uh, so uh, look for that. Subscribe to it. And if you want, the, uh, the emails come straight into your inbox. And as we mentioned, we've got a great show today, uh, Sports Illustrated's Link Jenkins joins myself and Hunter <laughs> here in just a few moments. We're going to play that audio for you. Then we'll come back with uh, the roommates and uh, get into a lot of different topics. So we're definitely excited about it. So without further ado, it's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. All right. We have Lee Jenkins, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, joining us now. I think he's probably my favorite guest. It's a tie between you and Daryl Morey, Lee, which is, which is pretty good company. Wow. That is incredible company. Go with him. I'll go with him, yeah. Well, after this, I think everybody will <laughs> go with you. And if you are listening to the podcast... I also am not on Broadway. I'm sorry, what about Broadway? I'm not on Broadway also, so... Not yet? No. Not only do I not run a basketball team, I obviously don't know... I, I don't know anything about musicals either, so... Such, such pessimism. I could see you doing both. Being on Broadway and running an NBA team. And then I will be your <laughs> press secretary. Yeah, that would be a bad team, and Derek Rose would play for us. Oh, don't... Don't tempt me to go there. <laughs> this is the, you know, we, we, right. we, we do hope to have a sponsor for the podcast at some point. Um, <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they, for some reason, have not read Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, you're doing an enormous disservice. Uh, Lee is, without question, I think the unrivaled best profiler of NBA players. Um, so please do yourself a favor. Go follow him on, on, uh, on Twitter and, uh, and read his work. Um, to start off, just I'm going to leave it to you. What do you think is the most interesting storyline narrative to have come out of the season so far? Um, I mean, the best team so far is the Rockets, right? I mean, I think I, I guess when I think about what the storyline is, it's sort of this idea that the Warriors have been so dominant that they have so much talent that all of these teams had to sort of make these 
kind of high-risk, high-reward changes. When I say all of them, I'm, I'm talking really about a few, but, you know, Boston, the Rockets, the Thunder, uh, the Cavs for, their, for different reasons, and sort of how those have all played out. And, you know, are we, you know you're overreacting, you're not reacting enough to look at it in, in mid-December and say, okay, the Rockets' move was a success, the Thunder's moves, you know, potentially were a failure. I, I, think, I think it's hard. I kind of go back to that Laker team. Um, the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash team, where you know you get in this situation in the NBA when these super teams are formed where you have to throw these very talented people together and hope they can figure it out, hope they're smart enough, hope they're good good enough. And it doesn't always work. Didn't always work. didn't work for that Laker team, obviously. That was sort of a cautionary tale going into this season. And this didn't make me very popular for a little bit with Rockets fans. I thought it would work in Oklahoma City. I was more skeptical of Houston. I thought the fit on paper looked more natural with Paul George and, and Westbrook than it did with Harden and Paul, which shows that I know nothing uh, about handicapping, which I knew before that. So I, to me, that's sort of been the most interesting thing is watching those teams that that took that chance, that went in. You know, you take, you take a team like the Rockets. That was a really good team. It was a happy team last year. But when you're in the Warriors' world, it's not going to be enough. You need to sort of take this this risk of putting these very talented people together, knowing it could backfire on you the way it did for that Laker team. Or if it all goes right, then maybe you start to get in that conversation. So I'm, I'm kind of curious on the Rockets specifically because Chris Paul was out for, uh, you know, s- several weeks due to an injury. Uh, it, when he came back, the Rockets were sort of on a roll, and the Rockets have been blowing people out by double digits almost night in and night out. And so we really haven't seen, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden play together in a competitive game in which, you know, the game is up in the air going into the fourth quarter. And so I'm curious, one, what can we expect in a competitive game between those two? And, and, you know, secondly, is that even enough to be the Warriors in the West? Well, I mean, that's the, the main question is the second one. I don't think it's any problem that, you know, when you're blowing teams out, people kind of invent sort of, oh, well, what will happen in a close game? I mean, it, they're so good right now that I, to me, that's not a concern. They are, they've found something that a lot of the contending teams haven't, which is, you know, an ability to, take all of these games against inferior opponents to take them seriously enough to blow them out in three quarters. So, you know, that does that, that's not a concern to me is that they haven't been in enough close games. I mean, clearly those two have meshed well enough. They've made it work. I mean, you're talking about two of the smartest players in the league, um, two guys who can handle the ball. I'm one of those people. I was part of that idiot refrain talking about, oh, well, can they make it work? Two guys who play such a different style, they play a different speed. Um, you know, Chris Paul came from such a different system, and they both want the ball in their hands. Well, clearly it hasn't mattered much, and part of that is just that they're punishing opposing teams' benches. I mean, they play together a fair amount, obviously, but they also play apart a lot, and their ability to just keep the pressure on the opposing defense for 48 minutes, um, you know, this was sort of – when team, I remember writing a story a few years back about the Suns when they tried to stockpile all these point guards together, and it blew up in their face. It was Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, um, Eric Bledsoe, and obviously that didn't work. But now you're seeing how two point guards together can work. Um, and maybe they need to be at this point in their careers where they've achieved what they, a lot of the things they wanted to achieve individually, and it's about you know more about the team's success at this point. But 
clearly those concerns were unfounded about those two guys meshing together. Whether it's enough to beat the Warriors, you know, that's the fundamental question. I mean, I think they would they would have to shoot it really well for two weeks. <laughs> I'm not saying anything that's a revelation there. They would have to play really well, and the Warriors would would probably have to not play at their peak. I don't think they I don't think anybody beats the Warriors with the talent they have at their peak, but certainly they're at that point where you're they're a turned ankle away. I mean they're they're close now. So if you get a break, if they're in position, if the Warriors do slip in any way, if they do have an injury problem, if something comes up, they are now in position to take advantage. And that's something that they probably weren't even in a year ago. You you phrase it really well. They are a turned ankle away. Um what about, I'm not sure how much you, you, you believe in the disease of me, the disease of more, right? This phrase that allegedly uh, Pat Riley coined that can be related to the Bulls and how tough it is to keep up your supremacy. Um, this is now going to be you know, the fourth year, the fourth consecutive year that the Warriors are expected you know, to, to I, I, maybe in the first year they weren't, but whatever. The fourth year they're going to get to the finals, we think. Um, and it gets harder. Uh, you look at the heat in year four, right? Um, I, have you sensed, have you done enough reporting or had enough private conversations to sense if the Warriors might in fact be having a tougher time in year four? They're bored. I think they're bored. I and mean, I talked to a bunch of their guys last week. I mean, they're, you know, they're waiting for June. They're, you see it with these blown leads they have. They fall behind in games and they come back. But... NBA teams can flip the switch. It's sort of a sad fact about life in the NBA. The regular season, for guys like that who are that talented have been through it, I don't think it pretends anything for the postseason. So, you know, they're so talented. You know, when you talk about those Heat teams, those teams were really good. But you've, we've never seen anything like this. I don't think anyone ever had kind of the margin for error that these Warriors do. So, you know, even if you have – even if you have a bit of those issues behind the scenes, even if it's not all perfect and there's, you know, consternation over the shoes and whatever is happening there, Durant's getting ejected or Draymond Green's ornery, whatever it is, I just still think they've got so much talent that they can overcome all of that. And I, I, I really don't know how much that's going to matter. I think it would matter with a team that had a lesser margin for error. I think all of that would matter. Um, I don't necessarily think it matters for them. And I also think that their, that their people reduce – I always thought – I mean, when they got Durant, I thought by now Clay Thompson would be stewing, that this would not go over well with him, that he would sort of be relegated. Because um, I felt like when, they, when the time came that they got Durant, Clay Thompson was sort of emergent, that he was becoming an NBA superstar. But his personality is such that – He's been seemingly accepting of this role, of the role he plays there. And Green, you know, but barring a few dust-ups every year, is fairly accepting of the role he plays also, which obviously isn't – there aren't a lot of points there, there aren't a lot of shots necessarily, but he contributes in so many other ways. And those guys have gotten – they've achieved so much acclaim, so much acclaim from other, in other ways beyond just the statistics of it um, that I think that everybody there feels – placated. So I don't really, you know, I think we're really grasping if we're looking for sort of ways that the Warriors could be derailed other than injury, injury or a team really getting hot. And, and that's one thing that the, the Rockets have. I mean, they have the potential 
to go on one of those Mavericks-like runs. I mean, if you remember that Dallas team, and the Rockets are way better than that team, in my opinion, but that Dallas team just they shot it so well uh, for a prolonged, extended stretch of that postseason. It helped them toward a championship. I think if the Rockets won, I feel like that would be a big part of the story. Is It would be their offense and kind of a validation of the Mike D'Antoni system. It would be about Harden and Paul and the dual playmakers, but a lot of it would just be that they shot the hell out of it for a long period of time, and clearly they're capable of that. Well, it also this also likely will be the best defensive team Mike D'Antoni has ever had, so that's a huge factor, right? Paul is great. Paul is just so good on the ball, and it's hard to find great point guard defense nowadays. It's like There are a lot of great point guards. There aren't that many great defenders of those great point guards. Chris Paul happens to be one of them. Still has age. Too, yeah, it was, uh, but but uh, I'm not sure if you've, if you've necessarily how closely you've had the chance to watch them. But there's a lineup that Jonathan Fagan has coined the Tuck Wagon lineup, where basically it's um, Harden, uh, Austin. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think it's Harden, PJ Tucker, Trevor Reza, Luke Mbabute, and and maybe Paul as that as that other or, or Anderson. The point is, it's just these you know this lineup of long rangy guys that. Uh, they're throwing at teams to stifle them when they really need it. Switchable players. It's funny, oh, like when I was a kid, everybody referred to guys like that as tweeners, and now everybody wants them, right? Everybody wants the tweener because they're they're so versatile. And it's about switching the pick and rolls, and that's that's something you can throw at Golden State. You know, that's a, that's a lineup that can defend Golden State. Those are the sort of stretchy wings, guys like Ariza, um, and those are good individual defenders too. I mean, they're Bob Mute used to be known as, I mean, you know, he's older, but he's been, you know, one of the best one-on-one wing defenders in the league for a long time and Ariza too. So those are great individual defenders. And I think kind of with the times and, you know, all these teams wanting to switch every screen and roll and you got to be able to defend pretty much everybody on the court that works and you can sick Paul on Curry. So you wrote a story last year that sort of, I guess, outlined how the Warriors had, you know, threatened parity in the NBA. And this season, to me, it seems, you know, we've got a lot of mediocre teams, essentially, in the, you know, four, five, and six slots in both the West and the East. Do you see that sort of, I guess, trickling down? Or, or why do we have these unexpected teams sort of in the middle of the, the playoff push as we approach middle of December? Yeah, I mean, it is a jumble. I mean, there's parity in the NBA after the very top. You know, everything's a, you know, you have the Cavs, you have the Warriors, you have the Rockets, and, you know, I suppose the Spurs are always there, the Celtics are emergent. But, you know, after that, it's, you have opportunities. Like, there, there's an opportunity in the East. And the Celtics, the Pistons are a surprise only to a certain degree. I think a lot of people felt as though one of those teams, you know, sort of in that kind of middle range in the east or toward the bottom would have an opportunity to jump up because it's not as though, you know, the Wizards or the Raptors are are so scary, so formidable. Raptors are having a good season so far and have some young talent. But, you know, there's just not that that blockade right after the very top tier. Um, So there is an opportunity to jump up into that four, five, six mix. You know, I don't know what that really, you know, where that really gets you. At the end of the day, we're going to be having – the same conversation as we had last year, the year before. It's going to be, you know, the Cavs will be right there. The Warriors will be there. Really, the Rockets are the one team that can sort of threaten this. Well, I guess the, I suppose the Celtics could too. 
Um, but there, there still, there still aren't a lot of teams. Even though there are teams that may be emerging as far as four, five, six, how many could you legitimately conceive of making the finals out of that group? And there just aren't a lot. You know, I feel like the Thunder could maybe get in there, and but you're talking about again, can they push the Warriors to six games? It's like, it, it, can they actually beat the Warriors? Can any of these teams beat the Warriors? Can any of those teams in the East? really beat the Cavs when they're fully engaged? And that's those are kind of the ultimate questions. But to me, there are like 10 interesting storylines probably in the NBA that have nothing to do with who's actually going to win the championship. And that's sort of strange, is that like who's going to win the championship is probably the 11th most interesting thing because we all pretty much know, um, barring, again, barring that turned ankle or barring some sort of unforeseen issue with the Warriors and what the Rockets have done, and you have to really respect it, is they've, again, they've put themselves in position for if those Warriors aren't hitting on all cylinders, if there is a problem, they're right there. Whereas in the past, they probably couldn't, they probably still couldn't have overtaken them, even if they did have an issue or a turned ankle. I want to talk about the Cavs and, uh, as always, LeBron James. Uh, I think that, I, I can't imagine anybody better to ask a question about LeBron than Lee Jenkins considering how many times you've written about him, um, specifically his narrative, his story, which, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's more, it's become so important to what LeBron represents in the NBA, what his story is, you know, and whether that's because of social media or whatever, but, you know, like Michael never had this kind of weird, constant stalking of a narrative. Um, now that Kyrie has uplifted the Celtics, is playing so much better, it's revealed more than ever this new wrinkle that maybe LeBron is really difficult to play with. Um, do you think it's a gross exaggeration, the way I phrase it, or is there some truth to that? Um, no, I think it's an exaggeration. I, I think a lot of people want to play with LeBron. Um, and if they didn't, I don't think they'd get every veteran who gets bought out wanting to go join him. I, listen, people want to play with him because you're going to win. You're going to play into June. And so that's kind of the number one reason. But if he was so difficult to play with, um, you know, I don't know that they'd win all the time. I don't know if he'd get to the finals all the time. I think he's become more commanding as he's gotten older. I think he's become, you know, a more commanding leader. Probably a little bit more, um, probably a little bit more Kobe-like, a little more Chris Paul-like. I think that's because of the Miami experience, largely. There's a way it's done in Miami. A little bit more. It's a little tougher. It's a little more in your face. Um, you know, they're very different. The way it's funny, we've had two sort of mini dynasties here with the Heat and the Warriors, and they couldn't be more different. You know, the way their philosophy is, the Warriors, you know, it's all sort of kind of portrayed as a big fun house, and everything's joyful and easy, and they play loose and free. The Heat don't do that. It's more of a, of a clenched fist approach. And I think that appealed to LeBron. I think it helped him sort of get to those first two championships, and he tried to bring that same sort of mentality to Cleveland. So, you know, is that easy every day? Um, and the tweets and, you know, some of the other stuff, I'm sure that's not easy. Um, but at the end of the day, LeBron gives players what they crave most, which is clean looks. He gives them open shots. He will create for others. And if you can shoot the three, <laughs> you go back to Mike Miller and James Jones and now Channing Frye and a litany of shooters – you know, that's what he does. That's where he's a great teammate, is he creates shots for others. He creates open, clean shots. 
And, you know, I'm sure it's difficult playing that Kevin Love role, that Chris Bosh role. Um, but I think when those guys sort of get to the other side and they're playing in June every year and they break through and they win a championship, um, I think at that point they realize all in all, whatever it was, was, was purely worth it. Now with Irving, I think it's a little different because you have a player who, and so many players go through this. I'm sure James Harden went through this, um, and it probably helped was a factor in his move to Houston is at that stage of your career, I think there are some individual exploits that want to be accomplished um, in terms of numbers, in terms of the MVP conversation, in terms of just sort of being a face of the league. And I think that was probably part of, you know, what drove Kyrie out of Cleveland and to Boston was sort of wanting to see what he was capable of accomplishing on his own. And, and I shouldn't say on his own, but, you know, seeing how much he could maximize his own skills, which is the same as what Harden did in Houston, the same as what I'm sure Westbrook was eager to do in Oklahoma City. To pick up at LeBron once more, finally, a question that, you know, titillates the NBA and has all season. Lee Jenkins, I'll ask you, where do you think LeBron James will be playing next year? If I had a gun to my head, I'd say Cleveland still. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know. And things change with him. They change quickly. You know, I know there's been a ton of speculation. And, you know, I hear it too. I hear it from people who aren't just media members. I hear it from people who know that he'd play for the Lakers. That's tough for me to wrap my head around, honestly. It, it, it would, it would, that would mean that we're supposed to believe that the ring count that sort of the championship chase is no longer as important to him as it once was. Um, even if he went to Los Angeles with Paul George, it's still, I still don't know that that team is constituted, takes out the Warriors. That's a good team. It's a really good team. Um, but I don't know necessarily if their ceiling is as high as his ceiling has been the last couple of, of seasons. Um, I also think that, you know, what he's accomplished this time in Cleveland as far as, his own story, as far as his off-court, um, you know, is pretty powerful. And in order to risk that, in order to kind of put that back on the line, I feel like there'd have to be sure championships waiting for him on the other side. And anything in the Western Conference, I think, is far from assured. And, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about Philadelphia. Philadelphia. But, you know, Joel Embiid is still a, is still a big injury risk. And... You know, that team, those are still young guys. And LeBron has, he's now had his experience with young players, again, who are trying to assert themselves. That is a different, that's a different challenge because he's having to get those guys to think team first at an age when usually they're still trying to find out who they are as individuals. So I, I believe this year will be one of his more enjoyable seasons in the NBA, no matter how it ends for the Cavs. Um, because that team is so veteran, the personality of those guys I think will appeal to him. Um, so if if I'm betting, I'm betting Cleveland, but I have no I I have no inside knowledge. I just don't see a spot where I could say, oh yeah, he could risk and put on the line again everything that he's built there, um, and that the payoff would be automatic. I, I I just I don't see that spot right now. I don't think the Lakers are that spot. Well, when you say Houston might you think this is going to be one of his more enjoyable seasons because he's surrounded by veterans, I I read that as um, I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, you know attacking your opinion. What I'm I'm sort of gleaning from that is 
that's another way of saying LeBron is going to have even more control over the situation. You know, he likes to be in control. He likes to, you know, have his cult of personality, uh, you know, sort of omnipresent, right? That, 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 that's how I read that. Well, I, he's having an amazing individual season. And there's no doubt that part of it is, listen, go back to Miami. I mean, he did this to himself, okay? He wanted to be on these ultra-talented teams, these super teams, because they give you the best shot to win. But I think it can also be exhausting because you're having to satiate these other stars, these other players who think of themselves as stars. So you're having to, you know, make sure Chris Bosh is engaged and still getting some of his and Wade, and then you move on and it's it's Love and it's Irving. So now he's kind of down to one. It's sort of Love and a bunch of good players. But it's very obvious that the onus is on him. I think there's probably a freedom that comes with that. I mean, you saw the joy Harden had from that sort of dynamic a year ago. That's more the LeBron James dynamic right now. And I have a feeling after whatever it was, six, seven years of sort of managing all the egos that go along with a super team, uh, I have a feeling that it's sort of an unburdened feeling he has right now. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of that. It's, it's purely speculative. Um, but I do think he'll... I do think that it's a, it's different. I mean, he's not having to kind of worry about Irving and does he feel like he's, you know, achieving everything he can achieve and maximizing himself. This is purely it, it's purely LeBron's show. To me, that's not necessary. It's it's less about control and it's more about that he can kind of play in an unburdened way. It's a very very interesting point. I think we're uh, you know LeBron is one of the greatest players of my generation. It's it's fun to watch him play, and I, I'm curious to see what happens with the uh, the remainder of his career, whether it's in Cleveland or somewhere else. But one last question that I do want to ask you, uh, Lee, and and that's I don't know. I hate bringing up this guy's name, but it's Lavar Ball, and uh, you know he's sort of been a sideshow, taking away a little bit from. Lonzo's, I guess a distraction from Lonzo's slow start in the NBA. But uh, there was an actually an interesting quote on Wednesday, and it's from Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, uh, when asked about LeVar Ball and uh, the UCLA situation. Uh, he said, is this a part of someone being part of your university as a student athlete, or is it about using college athletics to prepare yourself to be a pro? If it's the latter, you shouldn't be there in the first place. So that quote to me kind of has me thinking about the CBA. It was just recently signed, but with LeVar Ball's situation with amateurism, what are your thoughts on that comment from Mark Emmert? And, and do you potentially see the NBA, you know, getting rid of the one-and-done type rule? I do. I mean, that, that quote's pretty delusional because so many players are using – I mean, that's just what it is. They use college basketball for the one year to go to the NBA. I mean, I just did a story with Ben Simmons. You know, he's the best example of it. He would not have gone to LSU unless he had to. He would have gone to the NBA, and he would have been, if not ready, pretty close to ready. Um, so, you know, I don't think I don't think the balls are exceptional in that regard. Um, you know, I do, and I do think the NBA will will change the rule. What, what's What's interesting about the situation with UCLA is that I I don't you know I don't think this middle son LiAngelo is necessarily an NBA player, he's exactly the kind of player who would actually, I would think, be a four-year college player um, or a multi-year college player at least. So, you know, there's sort of, I don't know if it's how much it pertains to this particular son who they pulled out of UCLA this week. Um, And as far as Lonzo, you know, Lonzo's an interesting case. It's like when you, 
I've interviewed Lonzo um, one-on-one and everything, and, you know, he doesn't really, he seems, if not detached, he seems like he's sort of above the fray, like with his dad and, you know, all of the, the bluster and the craziness. He seems sort of unaffected by it. But I wonder about that. You know, I wonder if this year there haven't been some effects. And the effects are profound, not necessarily because it will affect Lonzo moving forward. I actually think that what Lonzo's dealt with this year probably prepares him in some ways. I mean, it's been rugged, um, like a rugged start to a rookie season. But in some ways, he's going through a lot of this at warp speed. Okay, so he, you know, some of these obstacles should, in theory, help him later on. However, I don't think it's helped him because because his rookie year has been so hard and he's struggled. I don't know if that's going to help them in free agency. And that's one area where they needed to showcase Lonzo this season. They needed him to be kind of the best version of his rookie self that he could be in order to appeal to free agents because he hasn't been, because he struggled with the shot. And people like me are baffled by that because he shot really well in college and he was shooting from the NBA line. He was shooting from distance. Um, but because he has struggled, and again, I, I don't know how much of that is because of his father, because of the distraction, but I do wonder if, you know, no one is unaffected by all of that. I mean, it has to seep down. It has to affect you in some way. And, you know, a place where it could affect, where you want the least amount of clutter is your shot. You know, when you talk to Curry, when you, like, sit down with him, there's something so peaceful about him. There's something about – I just think he lives in this sort of zen state that is part of his greatness as a shooter. Clearly, most of it's the hand-eye coordination, but I think there's just a, a clarity of mind and I, I can't imagine that you would get that, you know, when you have all of the, the insanity that's gone around the balls this year. So if that has affected him in some ways, then there will be consequences for the Lakers because I just I don't know how a free agent who says that they want to win and win big right away, Paul George, LeBron, can look at Lonzo Ball right now and think, yeah, he's ready to get me there. That's completely a fair point. And as Hunter just mentioned to me, they can look at LA as sort of that, you know, target city. But I think the ball situation is is very interesting. And it, the story, you know, with LeVar is not going to go away. But again, we have uh, Lee Jenkins, uh, Sports Illustrated basketball guru uh, on the podcast. And Lee, we definitely appreciate you for uh, joining us this week and being so gracious with your time. And for our listeners that uh, don't follow Lee already, one, what's going on with you? And second, make sure that you go to your phone right now and Twitter account and follow him at SI underscore Lee Jenkins and also check out his latest work uh, profiling Ben Simmons. And uh, Lee, thanks so much for joining us this week. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. So thanks to Lee Jenkins for joining us on the podcast and shout out to Hunter for arranging that interview. And we hope that sort of makes up for our lack of talking about basketball here in the last few weeks. And we're actually going to change that again here in just a few moments. Uh, we're back with Afiz and Chris from The Roommates. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. We're here. Let's talk a little Rockets basketball because we recorded the Lee Jenkins interview on Wednesday. Uh, the Rockets have played since then. They won again with a, a phenomenal outing on Saturday night against the Portland Trailblazers on the road. James Harden had 40-plus points. Chris Paul, uh, you know, dropping dimes as usual. Uh, Chris Paul, 10-0 as a Rocket in games he's played. To me, that's phenomenal. But mm-hmm. the most important thing, 
uh, Rockets down 14 in the fourth quarter, come back, outscore them like what, 41 to 17 in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter to get the win. They've won what, nine, 10 straight games. Nine straight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Best team on paper on right paper. now mm-hmm. in the NBA. How good is this team? Uh, Kevin Durant's still in the Warriors. <laughs> so, like, my hope That's really, exactly like, what Lee said. Yeah, <laughs> like, my hope is still, I'm not, you know, I'm not all in on them. It's definitely exciting basketball. One thing I did know uh, recently that the Rockets are number five in defense. That's shocking to me. Like, yeah. Mike Dead Tony? Are you yeah. kidding me right now? James Harden. I remember, like, what, two, three years ago, all those videos on YouTube yeah. going around of him like, 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 the not game, playing yeah, defense. Yeah, the game controller's yeah. broke when he's, trying to, <laughs> yeah. when he's supposed to play defense. Um, but that's very surprising. I think, I think they know who they are. Uh, if they can make shots and get easy buckets, and James Harden is uh, it steps up in the fourth quarter during the playoffs. I mean, that's I mean that's the biggest question mark in my mind. Because he disappeared last year against San Antonio. Here, not last year, year before. Now right. you see him right. in OKC. Now you I mean, that's, what been, yeah, that's what he's been doing. Um, so that's my only concern uh, about the Rockets. I mean, I'm just I I just know Kevin Durant's on the Warriors still. And so, I know who the Warriors are. So I I think the Warriors are still the favorite until somebody beats them. Yeah, correct. But I sort of had an issue with. You know, Charles Barkley, the guys at TNT saying, you know, analytics don't matter unless it's the Warriors. The Rockets aren't going to, you know, it just it's a fluke. Yeah, I, gotcha. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm frustrated. The guys at TNT just do not buy into Daryl Morey. Mm-hmm. They they call him a nerd who's never played basketball, shouldn't be a GM. They, wow. you know, Dan Tony's system because he hasn't proven that he can win a championship. James Harden, you know, he's got the track record of mm-hmm. playing well in the regular season, postseason, he's sort of phase, but he's having an MVP caliber season this year. Yeah. And the guys at TNT still don't buy into him. I mean, yeah. is that fair? Man, I think um, a lot of people say that basketball season doesn't start until like Christmas, you know? So I think it is a bit early. To decide whether they're a bust or they're gonna be really good, um, I think obviously Charles Barkley and those guys and Shaq are hate, natural born haters. <laughs> like that's what they do. They hate. Haters well, gonna hate. <laughs> Charles just mad because he haven't won a ring. I know, he's <laughs> that's mad. his problem. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, no, I think sadly with James Harden, I feel like once you create a perception of yourself that you shrink in big time situations people lose respect for you. I kind of think about it like early Peyton Manning. Yeah. Early Peyton Manning was an exceptional quarterback. No one, the best. We, no one could deny that. He was always top three. But in the postseason, he just could not get the job done. And I think what's the issue with James Harden is that we know he's going to put up points. He has a video game-like game. You know, mm-hmm. he just it's unstoppable. You know, we know a lot of people – Thought Chris Paul was a reason L.A. was trash, but now we know <laughs> whose fault that was <laughs> in the Clippers. And so I think it's still a lot to say about their success. Um, I haven't hopped on the bandwagon just yet. I'm, I'm just big on big-time players, make big-time plays in big-time situations, and I haven't seen that yet from the Rockets to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah. That's me. I, think, I, think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the Peyton Manning example is spot on. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, would lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and gosh. I don't know, Tracy McGrady, same thing. But <sighs> T-Mac. Peyton Manning, ultimately, Peyton Manning ultimately won a Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Two, uh, w- yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's two-time, right? Two yeah, time. so yeah. disrespect. <laughs> yeah, <he's fine. laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that, that that's significant because his brother is only one. His brother is one, one twice. twice. But yeah. His brother is one twice. Okay. Right, but... <laughs> His first Super Bowl was a little bit different because he was still at the top of his game. His last yeah. one, he was sort of faltering a little bit. But yeah. mm-hmm. what does Harden have to do 
I don't know, to make people believe in him in the postseason. Does he have to win a championship or does he just have to put up, you know, got to like, get off the Instagram girls. Put your phone you gotta, down. You so. got to get off the Instagram <laughs> that's, girls. That's good advice, actually. That's the first that's first things first. <laughs> he got to stop. I, I, stop I sliding feel, in the DMs. I have a, <laughs> you can still slide in the DM. Calculate the risk. Calculate the risk. Yes. Classy, not trashy. Exactly. And I just feel like. I feel like before games, mm-hmm. I, I, this is me. I feel like before games, the day before the game, I think he's in the strip club. You think he's in the strip? I think I don't, he's I don't, in the strip club. You think club. so? No, I, I think, think I think, I think that's a fair point because he's known to be like yeah, that's his thing. All all like because I yeah. heard I heard that about Jr. I heard Jr. Now I can was, I can believe that like, about Jr. The, 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 I was with the, the, I was with Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Chris was there. I was with Jr. <laughs> right before Lord, the game, my man. But uh, but nah. So I think. I don't know. I just think with James Harden, you have to be consistent. You got to be consistent. Like the big, everybody knows. Like we all love Tom Brady. Tom Brady considers the greatest of all time because of his clutch gene. Uh, Michael Jordan is considered the greatest of all time because of his clutch gene. Everyone gets on LeBron James because Le- they feel like LeBron doesn't have that clutch gene, mm-hmm. even though he, he proved it. If you given that Golden State game, I mean Golden State series, so I feel like James Harden for people to really buy into him, he has to show consistency in very clutch moments. So it's a focus thing. Yeah, it's a focus, focus thing. For, so, so what that tells me is that he has all this untapped potential if he were to focus for like like a season. And yeah, or, 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 or is it that playoff defenses are just so much better than what we see in the regular season? Like, yeah, I, I mean, see, the, the, I, I can see why uh, TNT team is, is is saying what they're saying because when you look, you you know the, the Warriors are the Warriors. They are great offense and they'll play great defense. San Antonio as well, great offense, great defense. Besides that. I mean, we don't we don't know what the crap OKC is. They don't know who they are. You that got, to me is shocking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they don't. Know. I had a feeling it was going to happen. I'm glad, honestly. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. Why are you glad that, that they're not playing well? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like competition. Uh, yeah. But um, like Portland, like the West is not who we thought they were. I think it's way more competition. I wouldn't say way more, but the East is way more entertaining than the West is now. That's real. Because you know, it's it's three teams, but it's really two. Because everybody's thinking about the Warriors. And the uh, and the Spurs, but the Rockets just in the playoff they just never ever came through. Especially since I've been watching. I mean, I was born in '93, so I missed Clutch City. <laughs> I missed I it. I, I missed it. I've never. Every time I, I I just my favorite Rockets team was when Trace McGrady. We had the Chuck Wagon. We had Yao Ming. And we had Skip Tamangu. That's when that was my team. Carl Landry. That's when that was my team. But um, we should never get past the Utah Jazz of the right. world or Kobe would be Kobe. Um, so I think it's just still our identity that we just cannot get over the hump. And then when James Harden lack of focus, because like you have to like if he he has to be like had that mama mentality, that dog in him. He has to be in the gym consistently all the time. Don't be in the club yeah, popping bottles and whatever. Bottles on the strippers, all the strippers, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Um, but I like I I'm hopeful they will. I, I believe they can make it to the conference final, but Kevin Durant will be there, <laughs> waiting. As Legion could so, say, it's a turn, they're a turned ankle away exactly. from getting to the championship. Exactly. So I virtue, agree. virtue of the show, do not pour bottles on strippers on a school you night. You should not do that <laughs> on a school <laughs> night. Don't do that. that. Not on a school exactly. night. Exactly. Make school sure night. you get consent first, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. all this stuff going around. That's, that's me too. true. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that's that here. We'll get there. We'll get there. 
yeah, we, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have you sign this release right here, so I can pour this bottle. They, on they you. need a boy. I would have a release, <laughs> downloadable PDF right <laughs> everywhere. App, like, you're not catching me. <laughs> so, so still TBD. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, uh, especially with uh, Roy Moore, who uh, is running an election. Uh, he's got Ooh. an election on Tuesday, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. Right. I don't know. I feel like it's an ongoing story that we can discuss for weeks because oh, yeah. we had what three politicians resign this week. But we'll get into that in just a minute. <laughs> okay. But uh, one thing, Anthony that, Weiner. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually not the biggest story now. <laughs> that's great. No, right? <laughs> Weiner. But his last name is just so that, fun. That's oh fair. my god. That's fair. Come but on, man. <laughs> last time I was on uh, y'all's show, uh, we spoke about uh, the LeVar Ball situation. Wait, and what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> we spoke about the LeVar situation in, uh, in, in China, the, the arrest, uh, three UCLA players getting arrested. And at, at that point, we were still a little bit unsure of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And both of you guys were telling me that you didn't want to believe it. And then we found out that it was true, that he did steal some glasses. He went on an ABC Good Morning America interview yeah. this week, said that other players were stealing. He decided that he was going to jump in. Mm-hmm. Felt regretful when he yes. got back to the hotel. But mm-hmm. uh, to me, I want to get that situation past this. But mm-hmm. LeVar Ball sort of made headlines again this week mm-hmm. because he pulled LiAngelo out of school, mm-hmm. out of UCLA. Mm-hmm. LiAngelo's probably not going to be an NBA prospect. Probably mm. not going to be a G League prospect. Mm. Might be hopeful to get picked up somewhere in Europe. Mm. But he also pulled his other son, LaMelo, out. Mm. And they both signed with an agent, Lonzo's agent. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for them to play on the same international team. I mean, yeah. You guys are both fans of the Ball family. Yeah. What's going on here? <sighs> no, no, this is, no, this, this you, is your... Do you your, mind? Go ahead. It's your topic. I'll let, First, you, I'll let you shine. Austin, I have to, 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 to all your <laughs> listeners, um, hopefully you guys check out the Roommates podcast. Um, Austin was on an episode called Blackballed. Very, very great conversation. I, I w- hopefully you, we get you back on the show when we do it. But the reason why I had to bring that up is because I made a very strong claim during that episode. Yes, you did. I said, I guarantee that LiAngelo didn't do it. And... I'm about 80% accurate when it comes to my statements. That's it's a good a, percentage. It's pretty good. You know, <laughs> that's, 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 self-proclaimed. It is. that's just self-proclaimed. I don't yeah, know if you know, It is what it is. And I was wrong. So I want to first apologize to your listeners um, that I was wrong. And I didn't know what I was doing at that moment. <laughs> I was pressured. Um, but you were I, out of the club the night before. I, I was out in the club <laughs> the night before, all off. making a lot of bad decisions <laughs> with a lot of bad people, and I, I just said some wrong things. Let me tell you about the Big Baller brand. I'm a big fan of the Big Baller brand. I have a great idea for Lonzo, for LeVar Ball. Contact us. Great idea, great commercial. It's going to be a great campaign. I can't say, any, can't say anymore. Give me a call. <sighs> I cannot tell a grown man how to raise his children. I just can't. It's, it's against everything in me because my dad was such a great father. Chris's dad was a good father as well, and they were two completely different men. Trust and you. so I don't like telling men how to raise their children, so I won't tell LeVar how to raise his son. But I'm telling you right now, I'm a bit concerned. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a bit concerned. I understand what he did with LiAngelo. With LiAngelo, he realized that the suspension was, what, what do they call it? It was indefinite. In, indefinite. Right. So that means un- 
when we feel like it, you'll be back on the team. That can be next week. That can be next month. That can be next year. We all know in college basketball, it's it's a fresh, especially with big headliner teams like Kentucky, UNC, um, now UCLA getting back into his prominence days. Like it's a freshman run team. It's all right. about getting the big recruits, and they, if you're not playing as a freshman, it's very hard to get your runs later on. I think what Levar Ball felt like was that LeAngelo was going to get blackballed this season, come back maybe at the end of the season a few minutes off the bench next year they're gonna bring in some top hot young kid and then he's gonna be a ghost two years wasted because you're gonna have to transfer sit out this out and third say you know what instead of letting the university dictate the future of my children i'm gonna dictate the future of my children that was lavar's decision about leangelo lamello um with that decision because i'm you know i'm the family communication coordinator so i'm telling you guys this from the horse's mouth um, <laughs> Le, um lamello the decision with lamello was that he the the coach, they like basically the the previous coach was very lenient, right? And that's when you had the showstorm, which was the ball, ball brothers. So they brought in a new coach, which was like, I'm not going to get showed up by Lavar. The new coach was strong, proud man. Say, you know what? You as a parent is not going to run my program, which is we all know that parents should not run a uh, high school program. And I feel like Lavar felt was concerned. Maybe this, I'm not saying it's justified, but he was concerned that the coach was going to have a thing against Lamelo, um, and to intentionally bench him, intentionally get the ball out of his hands, intentionally run offenses where he's not going to play ISO ball and do what he. But has at the to same do. time, does high school basketball even matter? It I mean, doesn't, it's, it's it the AAU game, right? It doesn't. So AAU is really what's most important. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. So high school doesn't matter. So he, him. But the thing about it was it was him pulling him out of school completely. Because even though I'm not a fan of school in regards to, I think it's just a waste of time. But for your personal development as a kid, I think it's important, which is why when kids skip grades, it's, they're lacking something. You could probably speak to that, Jeremy. Yeah. I, was gonna, I was going to say, yeah. you know, it's, I, I, I do think there's a way to go about yeah. like I, I get what you're saying mm-hmm. there's a way to go about that there's a right way and a wrong way yeah. and, and, and the wrong way is if, if the kid doesn't feel like he's personally responsible mm-hmm. for what he's doing mm-hmm. right and if he's always like rescued out of things mm-hmm. and he's not really building on what he's learned yeah. and it's just like you know if it's always daddy to the rescue then does he ever really get better so it's coming for Leandro right? yeah okay okay right does he ever really get better yeah and I mean, I, I think I think to your point, you know, when you do when kids do skip grades, sometimes yeah. there is a lot that's missed out on. Yeah. You know, there's like it takes time to build all of that, all mm-hmm. of your character, all of the sort of the knowledge that comes with age. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I just I, but, I feel for him. But what about you know professional athletes that know they're going to be professional mm-hmm. athletes? Like for example, Bryce Harper, he's yep. one of the best baseball players in Major League Baseball. He dropped out of school, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, after his sophomore year, mm-hmm. got his GED. Yeah. And then enrolled in a junior college so he could get drafted one year earlier. Then was taken number one overall, gets like a $10 million contract. Now he's MVP. I mean, is that a different situation? Or when you know you're going to be a professional athlete, why not just accelerate that process? But how, how many how many kids did that exact same thing and it didn't pain out for him? Mm. You know, that, that that's what I see because I, I have, you know, I, I work with kids in my day job and... I, I hear a lot of those stories, like either brothers, myself, whatever. Uh, we were going to be pro athletes, and you know this is the path we're taking. You know, and so, and I think about how many kids just don't make it doing that. You know, and I, I you know, certainly that does happen, right? But that's the exception rather than the rule, I'd mm-hmm. say. So, so what about back to the ball family? Okay. I mean, what's the next step for them? What? 
What happened? Man, I think what people... There's three things with the Ball family. I'll let Chris jump in. I want to hug the mic. The first thing is that people don't understand how much of a marketing genius LeVar Ball is. Um, kids... Because nowadays, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with all these, like, new school weird rappers, like the Lil Uzi Verse, the Lil Pumps, Tentacion, all these weird rappers, like Lil Yachty's. Kids are obsessed with them. We might have to do another segment on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah trust no, me. No, you're absolutely right. Kids are obsessed right, yeah. with them. And I heard that in the basketball world, like, the balls are like the new Kardashians. Really? Like, people... Like, honestly, I'm going to let you know right now, if LeVar Ball, I mean, if Lonzo came in here and LeBron James came in here... I don't care about LeBron James. I'm going to Alonzo all That's not day. Why, That's not why is that? Huh? Why is that? I mean, LeBron, LeBron is the greatest of all time. Lonzo's yeah. struggling with the Lakers. I just, it's just, like I said, it's another story I'm going to tell you. Um, there's this open gym that UCLA does once, uh, like, like during the summertime, all these M- NBA players come and check it out. And they said that, like, James Harden was there, like, all, all these great NBA players were there, and then LiAngelo was there. Then they let the kids out so the kids can go ahead and get autographs, get pictures, this, that, and the third. Nobody went to Harden. Nobody went to Chris Paul. Whoever else was there, everybody flooded to LiAngelo. I think the biggest thing is that in the social media era, it's like it's, 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 there's this allure around the balls. It's just something about them. It's just something about the family, something about the dad. It's just this allure. And you feel, I don't know, I feel like, like I feel like what they're doing well is what all these athletes are trying to do nowadays with personal branding. Right. Like you wanna you wanna feel like you know these athletes. You wanna feel like they're your friends. I feel like that's my cousin. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I feel like Lonzo's my cousin. I feel like Lamelo's my little cousin. Like I feel close to them. And so I think Lavar Le- Le- has made himself such a household name that you wanna be in his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the biggest thing. I feel like he's he's a genius right there. Number two. I think LeVar, what he's doing is that he might mess his kids up because he trusts his intuition, but he's entering new waters, right? So he's saying, like, well, I got Lonzo here, but the route you took to get Lonzo here is not the route you're taking to get LaMelo there or LiAngelo right, there. Right, each one's different. Each one is different. So it could have worked. Like what, like what? So I'm thinking that if the process that worked for Lonzo worked, but then you're doing a whole new process for LaMelo, we don't know. We just don't know. And you might, your dad, take your risk, do whatever you want to do, but you can really mess these kids up. You can really, like like I said, somebody brought up that American kids in foreign countries, especially at 16, 15 years old, they don't do well. The food is different. The language is different. You know, maybe the girls are different. I don't know. You know, they, they may not do well. So I think you got to consider that. And then to the third point, what you guys shared about, sometimes I think LeVar He's, he made me mad, and this is my last point. I know I'm saying a lot. He made me <laughs> mad because LeVar said when Lonzo goes to the Lakers, he's going to leave. He's going to let him go and let Luke Wallen do the thing. When I was at UCLA and see Balfour, I didn't say anything. He, that was his whole MO. I'm doing my thing now. When my kid gets to the Lakers, I'm good. But ever since, I understand they asking him questions, and if you're an adult, you know, I'm going to say what I want to say. But ever since Lonzo's been on the Lakers, LeVar has said something every single time. But what's going to happen is if is not that good, if LaMelo's not that good, if Lonzo's going to pan out, then what's going to happen is these other NBA teams are not going to even want to take his kids off a of headache alone like they, like they did to Johnny Menzel. Like a lot of these NFL players are like, well, nowadays it's all about branding. Well, our team getting bad reputations. They're not going to even want to take these kids in the future if you, don't, if you burn these bridges. And that's my fear that that LaVar might be burning some bridges. That's interesting. Well, and you, you, you have to let your kids be their own men. 
You know, mm-hmm. at some point, it's I understand he, he, he's making decisions as a parent, but at some point, you know, when your kid reaches adolescence, you got to start kind of pushing them off and letting them go. You guide them, but you don't take over, you know, where it, they get the sense that they're sort of helpless without daddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, helicopter parents. Yeah. Yeah. Helicopter parents. He needs to just, just do what he knows to do as a father, but then maybe just push him out. And I let think him, it's and more just, than that. I yeah. think... I, I think LeVar is smart enough to know that. I think he knows that his sons are going to be men one day and they're not going to be really in his care no more. I think he painted a picture mainly in his brain that he wants all three of his sons to not only play but star for the Lakers. And he's going to do anything in his power to make that happen. So if that's taking both of his younger kids out of school – to for them to train in year, I mean, because at the end, like we can see now with Lonzo – he, as he playing with the Lakers, he's learning how to play basketball. I think he's a gifted passer. And he's a decent game manager. Game manager. Um, his shot, I think, is just mental. I think he can oh, shoot, absolutely. but it's yeah. mental. Yeah. Um, but I think he's learning on the fly how to play basketball. Now, with I know for a fact, Lamelo don't know how to play <laughs> decent basketball. I mean, mm. he's gonna bring the ball up the court, shoot the three. If it go in, if it go in, but don't it don't. That's kind of my game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, telling you, I'm telling you, I don't think, like like. And then uh, uh, what is it, Leangelo, Right? Yeah. Um, he 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 can be in the NBA. I think he's decent enough. I think his shot is period. I think he has a good enough body to at least play defense and have some effort. I think he can. I think he can play in the league. Um, but I, it's not one and done. You know, and with UCLA, I can see why Lavar wants to pull him out and put him in a different programs so they can train him up. But he probably needs to stay all four years mm-hmm. and learn how to play basketball and develop a system and come out. And he can be like a uh, impact player that who was a good impact player that came out after four years, like Draymond Green. Draymond Green wasn't a one and done player. He stayed at Michigan State for a while and came out had an immediate impact on the Warriors. That could have been easily but e- Jello. Even some of these like lottery picks that you see, it takes them a year or two to develop to get they adjusted. Don't play basketball. Right. I mean, it's those freak people like LeBron who come in and you know yeah, set Le- the world on that's fire. About it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, every every other NBA player it seems like there's a learning curve. The, yeah. the speed have, of the took, game, the preparation, it it's all different. Kobe Bryant seven years to become Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So. Like, I can see what his taxes, like, if he go to Europe and both kids, they play on the same team, they're probably not going to play because right. it's professional. Yeah. They're not going to come here and, and let these two young boys take their spots. But they could learn the game of basketball. And they could, they can come out and have impact um, probably that UCLA couldn't give them. And if they have the mental toughness, too, I think. But Lamar got to stop babying him. I, I, I think right. if they have the mental toughness, it could be beneficial for him to be in Europe because they're playing against grown men. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going to hate well, their lives, though. Right. They're going to hate their lives. They're not going to be treated well. Yep. But if, if they have the mental toughness to get past that, you know, they're going to be better physically for it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to take, you know, the, the grind, the physicality in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it could be beneficial. Yeah, I, I think of well, you know, when I, I think of all the guys, like especially like you know, Baylor teams that have gone to Europe, you know, they're still there, right? Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, these, these you can make these, a good living playing basketball in Europe. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, but it's not playing for the Lakers, right? Well, I mean, Correct. let's yeah. look at the Baylor guy that you just mentioned uh, or, or, that I'm thinking of, Epe Udo. He was drafted uh-huh. what number five yeah. overall by Golden State, bounced around in the league for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't strong enough. Essentially, went over to Europe. Uh, became a household name, was named the European Player of the Year, I think like two years in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, won a championship with Turkey, won the EuroLeague. Now he's back in the NBA with uh, Utah, playing much, much better. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so sometimes, I don't know, I, I feel like the G League, it's not quite like a true minor league system, and I feel yeah. like the NBA is starting to 
get it to that level. They yeah. try. But yeah. Yeah. baseball, you have plenty of years to develop in the minor league system. Yeah. NBA, you don't really have to, you, you don't. It's not and so no. if, if, it's if, not, if, it's if not you want to develop, sometimes you have to go to Europe. I mean, look at uh, everyone's favorite point guard who uh, left Houston this past year, uh, Patrick Beverly. I mean, he yeah. spent time in Europe, developed there, came over to the NBA. Was known as a pest on defense, yeah. mm-hmm. so I don't. It could be beneficial, but if you're giving piece of advice to Lavar Ball mm-hmm. and the Ball family, what would you say to him? Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a sensational question. Go you, ahead. You want you want it first? Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Um, if I had to give advice, I think it really depends. Though I, I have to know what Lavar's mentality is, what is his end goal, because it's branding and trying to get his business off the off the ground. It does not look good being big baller brand and you having two sons not in the NBA. That does not look good. Big baller baby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like you're not y'all right. not nothing. Big baller this, bus. Like, this is a big huge, baller bus. That's yeah, exactly I, I, what it is. I was just about to say this is a huge gamble. This is either he's a genius or he's an idiot, right? Exactly. Yeah, and you exactly. you, you just won't know for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like the business side of me. It's like I understand. I see you. You gotta take risks that to make money to make wealth. You have to. But like the like the concern, like I would say, friend, I want to say I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But like mm-hmm. the, just from the outside looking in, it's like you're pulling your kids out of school. That I mean, that's tough. Like my dad never told never taught me how to quit. Like that's basically what it is. You pulling people out of AAU games because you didn't like what the referees calling. Like all that stuff is red flags, concerns. Like like whoa, like in life it's gonna be hard. Like you can't keep telling your kids that they can quit whenever they want to, and daddy's gonna save you. Yeah, you gotta Heck overcome no. adversity. Like that's no. not gonna happen. Um, so it's like I see both perspectives. Um, my advice is if you if you're taking a risk on your on on your business, make sure it's calculated risk and you have a, a sensational plan to get them there. Is like, it a is it a secured risk? It's yeah. definitely not a secured. Yeah, risk. yeah I definitely mean, not. It's definitely yeah. not. Um, but if, like, just like and the other side, let your kids grow up and become a man. Let your kids that's still in high school be a kid. Like he's the most famous kid in the world. Like he has well, how many followers on, on Instagram? Like like five million. Like that's tough enough. Like his childhood is already good. done. Like yeah. So like, I mean, I, it, it sucks because I, I I had a sensational time in high school. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I had a sensational time. I'm prom king and everything. Like for him. To oh really? Out, oh really? yeah. Y'all in the y'all in the present royalty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> so yeah, like like for him to miss out on all those childhood memories that I had. I mean that's just. To go overseas in year mm-hmm. four that you may not it may not pan out in two to three years from now, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, there's there's some guys that don't need that, you know. In doing what I do, like like you talk to people who are like, yeah, yeah, right at a right at a high school, I I or I, you know, they completed their college degree by the time they were nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Like some yeah. people don't feel like they don't need a childhood, but then there are those stories you see where like you like know, especially like Olympians, you know, they yeah. talk about how like I didn't have a childhood, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was like to I mean, be a Simone kid. Biles. Absolutely, she, she's, she's one she, of the same ones. Yeah, she like, took a year off. After winning gold medal in Rio, and she said that you know it was it was completely life changing for her. Uh, you know she was she was being connected with all these different you know single guys out there, and you know she was kind of nervous. I think doing an interview, she said that she had never been on a date. Which oh is, yeah, I can it, see it, that. It, <laughs> she probably awkward she, as crap. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's just focused on training. So Simone Miles, if you are if you're single right now, yeah. you, know yeah. you can always hit me up. Yeah. I would be yeah. I would be so careful. I'll be yeah. Kind, great. Ah, oh, you will love me. Is she still in spring? She is. She she still is yeah. in Houston. She was actually at the Texans game today. So oh, she was working with the uh, Texans cheerleaders. I think. I, I, I didn't. I didn't see her. That's weird. I was up in the five hundred section. So five. I would shoot my shot. I was up. I would shoot. Shoot. I would shoot as you have to shoot. I wish. All right. So Hafiz, if you're giving advice to the Ball family, what do you got? First and foremost, here's what I want to say. We 
as much as we want to speculate, as much as we want to hypothesize, we have zero idea what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know how much prayer, how much consideration, how much advice, how much wisdom, how much insight LeVar Ball is having in regards to decision-making with his children. All we're doing is seeing what we see on TV, which is very limited, by the way. This is, this is the tip of the iceberg of what's going on behind the family. So I personally would like to say that I, in no shape or form, LeVar, I know you're listening right now, I, in no shape or form, am con- condemning him. Um, I'm, a, I'm still a big fan. I love him. Um, I, I believe in him. I'm, a, I'm not going to lie. From what I see, I'm a bit shaky, but I believe in him. My, my number one advice to LeVar Ball is this. I love the big baller brand, but I don't like the reputation NBA coaches are going to start having from you. Because at the end of the day, we all know it's, like, it's kind of like – Maybe is, this may be a good one. This may be a bad one. But I feel like a guy like Josh McCown on these typical NFL quarterback backups make it in the league because they're just decent players who do their job. They don't cause too much trouble. They don't do too well. They're just there. It is what it is. But then a guy like Tim Tebow, as much as you don't like or like Tim Tebow, he was such a media storm. Right. That to really He's a distraction in the locker room. so much of a distraction that – even if Tebow was a media, uh, average quarterback at best in the NFL, is, do you really want an average quarterback who creates an uh, extraordinary distraction? And so the thing about LiAngelo LaMelo is that um, depending on Le- Lonzo's performance, which is key, we got like it's very early on in the season, but Lonzo's performance is very key. Depending on Lonzo's performance and him becoming an all-star, because I think Lonzo's all-star or bust, is all-star or bust, in my opinion, most people will say it, that if those guys are above-average basketball players and they go overseas, they're not coming back to America. If they are above-average basketball players, they will not get any chances in America. If, if Lonzo is an above-average basketball player, they will not. They will have a very short leash, and you will really, really set your kids backwards. And I hope he's considering that because it will just – hurt me that these kids don't get chances because of what he may have said. Um, and that's my only thing with, with LeVar. Just be cognizant. If, if the, you want all your sons to be on the Lakers, he's always said, all my boys are going to be on the Lakers one day. <laughs> no, I mean, he'd be talking. <laughs> but if the Lakers organization hates you now, why would they want two more of your kids? You know what I mean? Like, I think about it like I used to coach football. I'm going to go back one day. And I remember at one point we had these two twins, amazing players. They were, they were like, when they were in eighth grade, they both were six six two wow. two. They were amazing players, but they were such a, their parents were such headaches, uh. such headaches. And so eventually it's like, no matter how good they are, we don't want to deal with them. And I feel like hopefully LeVar doesn't do the same thing for his children. That's a fair point. Yeah. And I, Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to close with you because you are the uh, the counselor, <laughs> the therapist. The group. Yeah, the no. I, I, here, here's you know the, the question I have, uh, uh, you know, in all this discussion is is this about Lavar or is it about his kids? Yeah. You know, because he's had his career, he yeah. had this, and so and I understand he's, he's got the brand or whatever. But <laughs> but is this about is this about his dream? Yeah. Is this about his dream or is it about or, or his kids allowed to have their own? Yeah. You know, and if, if if their dreams are the same as their dad's, then great. Yeah. But as very often as you know, you know, kids growing up, uh, they're not always, they don't always want to follow in daddy's footsteps. Maybe well, they, they have different things in mind. And I, I think 
it, the stronger dad is on this particular issue, especially like playing for the Lakers, right? Yeah, like, why yeah. does he have to be so specific? Yeah. The, the stronger he is, I think the, the more of, of a temptation it's going to be for one of them to rebel and to want to go against yeah. dad, even if it's just uh, going to play for another team or not playing at all. Yeah. You know, mm. so. Man, I think it goes, I think to your point, I want to say this real quick. Um, I feel like there's like two kinds of dads, right? There's authoritarian, like in two extremes. Yeah. There's authoritarian, militant. I'm gonna beat you in the well, submission. It's, it's do what I say because I said so. Yes. Right. And then my father. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the more laissez-faire. Hey, son, whatever you want, I support you. I love Barney. you. Barney, right? Huh? Barney kind of like people. I think what Lavar. I think Lavar's sons are. I think he's in between, to be honest with you. Have you guys seen the reality show? No. It's, tr- it's trust good. me. It's, it's, it's great. Good. It's great. It's good. Trust me. It's I always say great. It's good. It's a great show. <laughs> it's a great show. I'm telling you guys, watch it. It's a great show. Very, very good. <laughs> but um, I, would, I would say that Le- the kids have full faith in LeVar. Imagine LeVar is a captain. They're on his boat. He's the dad. They submit full to the faith. father. They submit to the father. I'm riding the boat with my dad. If my dad sinks a boat, we sunk the boat. If my dad successfully driven the boat to um, safe um, land, he did it. That's where they're riding with him. And LeVar, just, I mean, he is their dad, so that responsibility is on his hands, and I think that's where his kids are putting blind faith in him versus me and me and my dad. <laughs> it was, my dad always said, it can't be two kings in one castle because I was not submitted <laughs> to no man. <laughs> So, um, so I, I understand the, the nature of it, and I just think they're, they're just following their dad, and I, I respect that. It wasn't me. My kids will be like that, but you know, <laughs> but for me, <laughs> I wasn't like that. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how Lonzo's career develops, like you said, yeah. and to see the implications that has on his younger brothers. Yep. But uh, it, it's fascinating just to see how you know, LeVar can insert himself into media stories. And continue to get that brand from a marketing perspective. I agree with both of you guys. Yeah. He's a genius. Yeah, like the whole Trump fiasco. He did that oh specifically so we could get that CNN interview yeah. was so I, I think, priceless. I think, I think Darren Ravel from ESPN said that the marketing revenue or the amount of time that he got on air with the beef through Trump through Twitter and everything was worth twenty eight million dollars worth of advertising. Yeah. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. But I think it's going to be interesting just to follow this here in the next few months, next yeah. few years, just to see how this family sort of evolves and do they adapt? Yeah. Like, how, how do they change? How do, they, how do the, the younger sons do mm. over in Europe or China or wherever they end up? But uh, really quickly, want to transition to uh, Sports Illustrated. This, mm. this past week, they announced their Sports Person of the Year for 2017. And on the cover were two... Uh, familiar faces to Houstonians and our listeners, and that was J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve, uh, both named me 2017 Sports Person of the Year. Uh, did Sports Illustrated get this right? Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I think it's obvious that they're not going off of you know sports ability, right? I mean, it's, it's not just the performance in the game. I mean, Jose Altuve, you can maybe say that about. But I mean, J.J. Watt, yeah, right. I mean, it's uh, J.J. Watt, it's, it's all about his relief efforts for Harvey. About, you know, it's all about, you know. But is that how you should define a sports person year, or should it be based on what you've accomplished on the field, on the court in that particular year? Because Sports Illustrated said, and this is according to, you know, I had this conversation with Hunter. Um, sports Illustrated chose him as the sports person of the year back in September. 
You know, wow. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, I, did 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 they? So so I, I guess mean, they essentially added Altuve on because he won right. a World Series, right? You know, JJ hmm. Watt. I, I will I will never get upset seeing JJ Watt on any cover of 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 anything. You know, like if, as long as it's like positive. I mean, the guy the guy so has done got so much. Hafiz, who is essentially the same way with Levar Ball, and you're the same thing with JJ Watt. Lonzo, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lonzo, and the kids. Lonzo, it, it, it's Lonzo really kids. it's really not even though because I remember him when he was a monster on defense. I mean. Every play, every every, every defensive play. I mean, he play. still is when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, when he's healthy, which has been seldom recently. Mm. You know, it's it's his back, and then it's something else. And I, you know, one of the questions we ask, like, how does he come back to the game? You know, is this is this the end of JJ Watt? And I guess we just won't know for a while. But um, I, I think this Sports Illustrated cover is. I, I didn't even need to read the article, even though I did. It, but it's it's based purely off his Harvey relief efforts, were which were remarkable. Thirty-seven million dollars. Yeah, that's that's yeah. For, for one person to do, which is based off his personality and basically just a, the ability to do like you know videos on his iPhone and broadcast into this website. I mean, it was just it was just incredible. So Jose Altuve, I think uh, maybe and Carlos Correa, I think would have maybe been like a better like maybe combo but duo, yeah. yeah like maybe a better duo but i think jj watt ha- having him on there um is appropriate given the circumstances but without harvey there i mean i don't i don't think he no, would have, yeah so, yeah he so, wouldn't well, be okay, so remove hurricane harvey from the equation who is the sports person of the year i mean you gotta go with the astros i mean just uh either with either no matter i don't care who it was <laughs> yeah, it could have been the coach that would have won it but just because just what you said remove harvey from the situation i think for them to win the first World Series uh, in Houston, and the way they did it, yeah, um, and and then for Sports Illustrated to predict that they do it, uh, 2014 cover, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, I, because I think, like, I think I know the Yankees and and Giancarlo Stan, they all like kind of help build like the baseball being cool again with all the home runs and things like of that nature. But like the Astros, the way they it's kinda like a new form of baseball. They're like, fun, they're, they're loose. Fun they yeah. enjoy watch. playing the game. All the time. You know, it's it's always constant, you know, excitement. Um so just in in that sense, I feel like the Houston Astros as an organization definitely did they, they did it right. They built they rebuilt that team into a championship, hopefully a dynasty team going moving forward. Um, and I think that deserved credit um to their defense for sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name out there and this is sort of one that actually Hunter suggested, and the more and more that I, I, I research this, the more that I think it's the accurate call. If you remove Harvey from the equation, and yeah. keep in mind, I'm a Houston homer, right? I love I the Astros. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm still on cloud nine because they won the World Series. But why not Tom Brady? I mean, Tom Brady led the Patriots back in, in one of the most historic football games, Super Bowls, I can recall. Mm-hmm. It happened here in Houston. Correct. And he's, again, this season at the age of 40, playing at an MVP caliber level. Mm-hmm. How is he not the sports person of the year? I mean, what he's done on the field specifically. Is it, is it because he's almost, and, and this is strictly a point from Hunter, but I'm, I'm, I'm also going to bring it up. I feel like I'm, I'm channeling Hunter Atkins here, but <laughs> is it because of his ties with Trump or his alleged ties with mm-hmm. Trump? Is Sports Illustrated trying to stay away from the political element and making this decision with going with J.J. Watt? Jose Altuve. I think it's the deflated balls that's so hot. Deflate Tom Brady. Game. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think Tom Tom Brady. People begrudgingly respect Tom Brady. They don't like Tom Brady, 
there's a difference, I think, and this is, this is like in the absence of any sort of Trump affinities that he might have. I think that the Patriots are loved within the North, the Northeast. And Hunter would say as a Yankee, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. so uh, to clarify as a Yankee, he hates Tom Brady. As, right, as well, because well, right, he's from New York, and right, that's yeah. understandable. But, but, but there, it, it's sort of like in the SEC, you know. Um, I, you know, Aggies might hate Bama, but when Bama's in the title game, they're going to root for Bama because they're in the SEC. Mm. All right, I, I think maybe the same applies here. I, I just, I don't, I think given everything that's going on, especially with the Astros, that they would definitely deserve it over, over Tom Brady. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just my opinion. I, I think because the Patriots win the Super Bowl is not remarkable. Right. Yeah, I think it's it not, is it's because not, it's, they've done it over like a fifteen-year period. Yeah, no, like, no, it, it's 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 the greatest dynasty that I that I've seen in my lifetime. I I, I agree. There, there's a there's an argument to be made, but I think you know even without Harvey, I still think the Astros and the the, the dynamic of that team. I, I I you know it's it's almost like comparing apples and oranges with yeah, with football and fair. baseball. But um, yeah, I just I, I feel like. There's like a likability thing there, you know, and Tom Brady just doesn't, you know. So what about you? What do you think? Mm. Man, um, take away Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't like baseball. I think it's a <laughs> terrible, boring sport. I have never Join watched. Join the club. We've got jackets. <laughs> yeah. I, got jackets. I, I, haven't, I, I haven't watched a full baseball game since maybe like 97. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know anything about baseball. But I think so a long time ago, they ranked the top athletes of all time. And um, it was really interesting ranking. They had like Simone Biles at number nine. It was remember we looked at that. We looked at that. Yeah, and, I think uh, we to- we spoke about it on our oh, show. Okay, nine. okay. Yeah, but but and you saw that like all the different metrics they put into what is an athlete, um, which was you know just I mean that's, everybody can analyze whoever they want to analyze and create whatever um, system they want. So I feel like in regards to like you said, if it's just a, a performance based, you can't argue that Tom Brady. Had one of the best performances in 2016, um, 17. I don't know. If, I don't know who else. I don't follow baseball, so I maybe the base the pitcher. I don't know who. You know the mm-hmm. the designated batter. You know I don't know <laughs> somebody on the Astros had an amazing, phenomenal season. Um, so I think we, we cannot argue with Tom Brady. But I think in today's when we talked about on the show, like nowadays sports and politics and pop culture has had this like unholy alliance you know what i mean so (laughs) so they have this unholy alliance in which now all three of those factor into it and i think um the houston strong mantra which resembled a city that's diverse in culture in language in all types of different dynamics coming together and supporting and loving one another and mixing that into uh, the underdog team that people said counted they were out. They counted, counted out. out. They were yeah. terrible. You you put this concoction together, it makes com- complete sense why, like I said, anybody from the Astros would be sportsman or sports athlete of the year. Yeah, and that, that's such a good point because yeah. I think, I mean, think about where the Astros were a couple of years ago, the Lastros, right? Yeah. You, you, had, you had articles. Lastros, disastros. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, 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 like you had, you had articles in, in Houston publications 
conversations like why are Houston sports teams so bad? Mm-hmm. And the headliner was about the Astros, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you're, you know, and as I've said before, I'm not a baseball fan, but I'm an Astros fan. You know, if you've been a long suffering Astros fan, you've been through all those ups and downs. And triple B. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you know how big of a deal this is. And yeah. I just, you know, going back to the point, Tom Brady being good is just nothing special anymore. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's I, special when he's 40 years old. Yeah, it is. And, and, and you know what? If he wins Super Bowl this year, without a doubt. I mean, but everything else considered. Yeah. I, I mean, think, the thing with Tom Brady is he even won MVP during that year. Yeah. Matt Ryan yeah. did. Yeah. And yeah. I also think that Atlanta gave them a lot of help <laughs> winning that Super Bowl. Of course. I don't yeah. want to take nothing away from Tom yeah, Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they shouldn't have won. Let's be honest. I'm being like yeah. just the competitive. They were coached. Yeah. Yeah. They, they should were. not that, that's have the won. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, nothing to take away from Tom Brady. And then I think like like we've been saying, like Tom Brady winning, it's not cool. It's not fun. Like now a lot yeah. of people are really excited. I don't know a lot of Patriots fans. Like five percent of my friend group yeah. got Patriots fans. I, I was in Boston <laughs> recently and I, I didn't see a whole lot of them to be honest with you. Yeah. So. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's just not really cool anymore. But you have a young, excited yeah. team that that's making baseball <laughs> great again. Nice. for the loading <laughs> fruit. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just makes more sense, especially yeah. in this sports. They they predicted it, so I think also it, yeah. it's it's the right decision, yeah. you know. Yeah. Rather and, and than Tom just Brady. for full clarity, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I saw yeah, yeah. that on uh, Instagram, what was it Tuesday night? And yeah. I saw that uh, you both JJ Watt and Altuve were on the cover. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Thank yeah. the Lord. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And right. and then you know I. I think it's great. Yeah, and, and, and for what 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 JJ did for the city of Houston, what Altuve did. I mean, I, it's kind of funny. I actually posted on social media after uh, I think it was Game One of the uh, American League Division Series, and Altuve hit like three home runs. I posted like, "I'm naming my first child Jose Altuve," <laughs> yeah. and then you know, of course, he continued to uh, go on his tear during the postseason. And I think during the World Series. I think it was game five here in Houston where the Astros had that ridiculous extra inning win. Lord. I again Altuve had a phenomenal game and I, I texted my girlfriend and I was like, we're naming our first child uh, Jose. Mm. And uh, she responded back like, we're going to have to find another girl. Because I, I, I posted that on, uh, on social media, like, you know, the initial post and my mom was like, you know, I, I, I hope you're joking about this. But then, uh, and then, you know, after she was like, okay, I think it's okay now. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he's yeah. done such a great job for the city. Yeah. So it, it's kind of cool to see him. Get recognized. Yeah, I, th- as well. I think like I said, I think Houston, at, Houston as a comp- combination has it impacted sports that year was way greater than Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I want to move on to last few topics here. Okay. And first off, we've got the guys from the roommates, Chris Hafiz. Shout uh, out roommates podcast. Check it check out. Check it out. Check it out. Check the it shows out. drop on what Monday? Monday morning. Monday morning. So. You guys drop on Mondays, right? We do. Hey, double back to back. We got work. (laughs) We've got one for the morning commute, one for the afternoon. Hey, that's what it is. There it is. It is back to back. I love it. But uh, we've got you know just less than two months until the Winter Olympics come, and you know we are a town in the south, so there's not much snow. (laughs) Well, hold on, yeah, hold on. For like the first time in seven years, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know, winter sports don't really have a huge grasp here in uh, the city. But I feel like everyone at least has the Winter Olympics on you know the background. You know, when they're at home or something like that, they're not watching like an NBA game because there's not much going on during you know January, February. But 
interesting this week, uh, Russia was banned from the 2018 Winter Olympics because of systematic doping. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, you, we haven't really seen this in the Olympics. The Paralympic Committee did this for the Russian team uh, in, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, but there was a lot of heat taken by the International Paralympic Committee because they took a move that the International Olympic Committee would not take mm. until this year. Uh, and so I, I just want to first gauge your thoughts on the systematic doping. And if you, if you haven't had the chance, watch this documentary on Netflix. I, th- I believe it's called Icarius, which talks about, uh, you know, why this is so important to develop these athletes to almost win like a proxy war. Because if you're in an oppressive regime, you want to win your competition in all arenas, whether right. it's politically, whether it's, you know, with your basketball or hockey team. Yeah. I, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on this, does it impact, you know, your interest in the games? Do you do you see this as an ongoing issue, mm-hmm. not only with the doping in Russia, but just sports in general? Or does that impact the way that you feel about the Olympics? Mm. First and foremost, I wasn't going to watch that thing no matter what. <laughs> I even know I didn't know about no Winter Olympics. I don't know about no skiing, no parachuting. I don't know what type of event. Wait, wait, they- if, if there's parachuting in the Olympics, that could be. Fun. <laughs> I don't know no type of a. Winter Olympics, so it's not affecting me one bit. But I will say, Russia's been doping since Rocky IV. <laughs> Ow, <laughs> I've been Drago, bro. Solid, solid, <laughs> solid reference. So, so, so my like man, it. Russia's been doping. We've known they've been doping. It's just a clear. We know. We know what Ro- Russia be doing. But uh, but I think no. I, I think it's it's clear that in regards to sports, the the extreme advantage that you know steroids doping hgh whatever whatever it is gives gives you because sports is a game of inches yeah um a game of milliseconds you know what i mean and so i think it's it makes sense to me especially if they they have been doping um to really come down on them and say hey you guys need to stop enough is enough um, I also think I, I feel for them though because like 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 I said you know Rocky Four was a bit of a joke but you, like to a lot of these countries is like that's war for them you know they're like they're poor they're marginalized they're looked down upon America's that's something they can rally behind yeah they're like let's beat these Americans you know and all that stuff <laughs> you know Sasha and Boris and all, you know, all the people <laughs> and uh, and so for me I think you know I understand the the pressure. Um, in regards to the what they put on these athletes, is it affecting? Is it going to affect the viewership? I know they have a viewership to begin with, so I, I can't. I honestly can't say, um, but I, I definitely do feel like the the punishment is just. Um, I think the doping has to stop because the advantage it gives athletes. Like I said, I play college football, and the advantage it gives athletes is just so so tremendous um, that it's just it, like. People are like, what? What's a big deal? No, it's a huge deal. Well, especially um, for like recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, gonna, I was just about to say. I mean, the so, some of the Russian athletes will participate. They yeah. just won't participate representing Russia. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll right. participate. They have to prove they're clean. Right, right. If they yeah. can prove they're, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean, to your to your point, it does it does make a huge difference. I mean, you got blood doping. You've yeah. got you know the chemicals, whatever they're mm-hmm. injecting in themselves, and it can it can make a huge difference in some of these events. I mean, I. I can't count the number of players over the years over, you know, the, the five or six winter games that I've, you know, probably had to watch where somebody wasn't disqualified in some big event for, 
you know, uh, for doping. I mean, so there, there was actually a, a famous Robin Williams skit from, I think, like 2002, 2003. And it was talking about this uh, Canadian snowboarder mm. who had his gold medal stripped because he tested positive, positive for marijuana. Mm-hmm. And so the skit goes on to say, you know, I don't know that marijuana is a performance enhancing drug. I was because, about to say, uh, yeah. It's like, he's like, unless you put like a Snickers bar down at the end of the run. Yeah. <laughs> what motivation does he have? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's amazing. It's funny. Yeah. I, I don't think, though, you know, just I, I don't think I'm going to care either way that Russia's not in it. I yeah. mean, I, I think winter games are like they're the whole like for people who You're just really focus on in, ice skating. Right? Pe- no, do curling, curling okay. all oh, the way. Oh yeah, that, that curling really gets me going. Bob's that team. Shout out to Cool Runnings. Shout yeah, right. Actually, there are two U of H uh, former track stars that I think are running for Nigeria this year. It's the first time like Nigeria's had a bobsled team. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I, can't, I can't remember their names, but they were. Uh, I know they. I know they ran at U of H. Yeah, both. That's crazy. Yeah, both of the women I think were on uh, NBC this this past week. So uh, I thought so that was I, interesting. Yeah, they so, definitely. But Nigeria represented. Jeremy, go ahead. Sorry, no. No, I just I don't I don't think that I don't think people are gonna watch or not watch because. Because Russia's in or out, I don't. I don't think it matters. I mean, it, it's it's a holdover for people who are really into the Olympics. It's a holdover until the Summer Games in two years. I mean, like yeah, people just yeah, people just don't care. I mean, the yeah. winter and that's not to, to dog winter athletes. I'm really sorry. Shout if you guys out are to listening. winter athletes. I know. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I I'm, I'm much more interested in what's going on in the Olympic Village. We were kind of talking about that <laughs> yeah. earlier and so, how so, many so, prophylactics yeah, they order. So, Jeremy, for those that aren't familiar with what happens with the Olympic Village, uh, tell tell the listeners. Uh the uh, Olympic committee essentially puts a bulk order into uh, like Trojan or Durax or one of those guys and they the get Magnum w- yeah, Magnum, yeah they they're get coming. sorry well anyway so literally they, they order like anywhere between 100,000 300,000 condoms per games That's insane. and it's well athletes use they use sex as a way to either using something called tapering I guess it's, it's a way to like boost their performance like it's not doping technically obviously but yeah. it, it's like a way to boost their performance they either like they either like stop having sex or they have sex right before an event and like boost their performance they think and so uh, but the or is that just an excuse? I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know, but but, but maybe I could win a gold medal tonight. But you'll notice, like the vast majority of athletes are single; they're not married, obviously. You know, so it it. it I, I just think it's hilarious. There's always like a couple of human interest stories about like the debauchery in the Olympic Village every year, and just like how crazy it gets. So, honestly, the most fascinating part of the Olympics. <laughs> okay, right there, right? <laughs> most fascinating part. By, so, I, by far. what I'm hearing is that you need to go to Pyeongchang. For the, for the I'm games. not going to oh, Korea. If, nah, you, if you want to fly me out to Korea, to I'd be I'd be you, more you, than you happy to go. You need to go to Pyeongchang and you need to download like all these dating apps and see which one are the. That best would be hilarious to see what Tenderellas and Bumbelinas are awaiting Ooh. are awaiting a, a potential a, a guy there. So, and, did, did we just come up with an idea for the podcast? <laughs> are, are, we, are we taking like a a, a coach trip or something? That would be that would be weekly broadcast. What happens? Go to the village. Don't uh, know uh, no uh, Austin's drone will just follow you around. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> but yeah, if, yeah. I, I, one. I am a fan of the Olympics. I, one. I honestly, if I had to pick a dream, like a dream job, was to play basketball for the USA team. I, I, that, that would be amazing one day. Uh, it's not going to happen, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Never I, give up. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I will watch the Olympics if it's if it's convenient, if it's on a. Uh, it's convenient. Uh, if it's convenient. I'm not gonna go out my way. It's not gonna be on my. Right yeah, it's not gonna be on my laptop throughout the if, whole day. If I could like stream to my smartphone, yeah, like, I mean, like while I'll I'm on the toilet, you know, maybe. You yeah. know, I see some highlights. I watch password in the iTunes. I won't download. Yeah, <laughs> no. if I have to pay a dollar for it. I won't do it. <laughs> Definitely not. Heck no. But I think. Um, 
I think <laughs> I think Russia finds it a, a, a huge deal they're not going to be in it because it's kind of like to me it's the same thing when the United States didn't make it in the World Cup. Yeah. You know, we're not going to watch the World Cup. Are you are? I'm definitely not watching the World Cup. I now. am not. I think we should send all our players to Europe for a couple of years and then have them come back. I mean, I'm fine with be that. Better. Yeah, I mean, fine, be, but like I said, I think I think United States they'll watch the World Cup just because we're in it. You USA, know, USA, USA. It's, exactly. It's so funny how many soccer experts you have like every four years. Yeah. Exactly. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. I, I find that kind of hilarious. So I mean, I think <laughs> I think I think it doesn't have an effect in the United States at all. Um, Russia people, I don't know if they're going to watch. They probably won't. They probably yeah, they're not going to watch it. It's but probably going to be banned from exactly, America. Exactly. But I just know that, I mean, just because United States didn't make it in the World Cup, I know for a fact it's not going to be streamed anywhere. ESPN is not going to have a yeah, really you big know, You know Fox, who has the television it. rights for it this year, when, when they found out that the U.S. did not qualify, their executives were probably like, oh, my gosh, we we're going to lose yeah, so the, much advertising. You know, exactly. It's, it's exactly. Soccer, it's such a stuff white people like sport. Duh. Like every four <laughs> years, you had, like, like some of the guys we knew from college, like they get out there uh, – their scarves or whatever yeah. every four years. Like, dude, come on. You are not a soccer fan. Yeah. You do not watch soccer on a regular basis. Yeah. You are such a tool. People just Stop like pretending. rooting for the United States. Yeah. They, they, USA. They just want to win. USA. It's so, it's so fun. It's yeah. so cool to root for the who, team. Who wants to go to the World Cup in South Africa with me, guys? It's like, no, nobody yeah. wants to yeah, go. Bro. No, no yeah. people want to go to South Africa. They don't want to go to the World Cup yeah, in South Africa. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, totally fair. All right, so... I think we've come to a consensus. We're only going to watch the games if it's convenient. And Jeremy has a foolproof plan to go to South Korea for the games. But uh, <laughs> as a journalist, as a, yeah, as a journalist, in, do in, some in big quotation marks, reporting. Uh, yes. He's going to report on that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, last thing that I want to talk about, real quick, and this is really the only political thing that we're talking about this week. But uh, big news uh, in the Middle East this week: uh, Donald Trump officially recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Said that they're going to move the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, I, I, we've had a lot of politicians in the past say that they approve this. U.S. Senate voted 90 to nothing back in the summer, saying that it was a good thing. Now we have all these politicians coming out and saying that, you know, this is a terrible decision. It's just going to spark more riots, controversy, death in the Middle East. And we have, you know, so many Middle Eastern countries like, you know, for example, Iran speaking out against U.S. pot meat kettle. But uh, yeah, right. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Uh, any of you guys have any takes on this because I, I can tell you last year I actually did go to Israel. Okay. I stayed in Tel Aviv. I was a little concerned about going into Jerusalem because there was a terrorist attack in Belgium literally the day before. Wow. And I, I was worried about the security risk but ultimately uh, you know when you're over there you have to go to Jerusalem. Uh, it was so much security everywhere. Um, it was a little concerning though walking in the streets of Tel Aviv at four o'clock in the morning, we heard gunshots. That was the previous capital, correct? We, we, yeah, where yeah. the U.S. embassy was. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's like uh, it's basically like the Miami of Israel. Yeah. Um. So they have. Oh, wow. Yeah. They have it's like the Miami. Daddy. Wait, wow. the Wonder Woman is is the next Grand Theft Auto going to be in Tel Aviv? <laughs> <laughs> I know, oh, man. But Wonder Woman from Israel, right? Sorry, Wonder Woman. She's from yeah. Israel. Yeah, 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 yeah. she is. Okay, yeah. I didn't say no. Gal Gadot. I was just saying, but they got him in all, Israel. All times, all times, celebrity. They crush got right like, there. They, oh, yeah. they like, yeah. they look like that in Israel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Here, Thank you, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's something that's kind of funny. Uh, every single, I, I think, person like 18 and older has to join the Israeli Defense Forces. So this is men, women, and. Whenever they are actively in the IDF, they have to carry their weapon with them. And so you will find females on the street, you know, like at a cafe, wearing sundresses and carrying their assault rifle with them. No, Harvey Weinstein's going to touch them. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. Sick burn. I had a buddy. Like, can you shoot? Because <laughs> <laughs> they will shoot. That's what I'm saying. How can you shoot I, the shot when they can shoot I, you? I have a buddy, Alex. 
And uh, it, when we were at this cafe in Tel Aviv last year, he sees this really attractive brunette mm-hmm. carrying a gun. And Dude. so he like runs up and he's like, can I take a picture with you? <laughs> like, and he's like, I think I just found my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found my but, wife in Miami. But he didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're they not married now. They're definitely I, not. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm curious. Um, this has been big headlines mm-hmm. this past week. We've seen former presidents of the United States claim that they're going to do this from everyone from Clinton to Bush to Obama. Trump actually did it. There's a lot of backlash. <laughs> why, are, why are we seeing this backlash? I mean, isn't there a backlash to everything Trump does at some point? You know? Yeah, like on, on Twitter, there's always all these angry group of people. Like, you know, he could be... Because um, he pisses people off. He could be saving puppies out of a burning house and people would shame him for it. You know, so yeah. on some sector of the internet, they would find a well, reason Well, it's probably hate him. because the puppy's mom didn't tweet him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so, thank you. You know, yeah. it, it, to your point, uh, there have been like consecutive presidents that have promised to do this, like yeah. promised to do it and they don't do it. Yeah. He's the first guy to do it. He said he was going to do it in the campaign. He said he was going to do it, you know, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And he's just doing what he said he was going to do. I mean, I, I, if you don't like what he's doing, if you don't like the fact that the embassy is being moved to Jerusalem, and that's the capital that's being recognized. That's fine, but don't dog him for fulfilling a, a campaign promise to people yeah. who voted for him. You know what I mean? Like so, that that's my issue. the The, the other thing is like you know, uh, you know, like Iran, you know, like burning the American flag and the Israeli flag. I mean, that's that's like that happens on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that, that 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 happens like every yeah, day. Yeah, now so they yeah. just have an excuse. No, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, they you know they always have an excuse. I mean. There, we, we, we give, you know, we have aid that goes to Israel every year. We have aid that goes to a lot of countries every year, right? Yeah. And so I just, it, I'm just not impressed with any of this. I think it's all grandstanding. I think it's just people on Twitter that want a moment to look like, you Here, know. Here's my thing. We, we see all these excuses. I think um, the, the leaders of the Palestinians came out and said that we can expect a lot of fighting and, you mm-hmm. know, riots and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a capital. I mean, I, I get there's religious implications mm-hmm. for you know both Christians, Jews, and Muslims mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. But at the end of the day, if you're saying that recognizing a capital is going to spark violence, you've got issues with your own people. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if 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 the Israelis claim that that's their capital, why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, am, I, am I simplifying? No, it no. Much, every other country on the planet, it's whatever their government says that their capital is. That's where our embassy is. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, for our diplomats, it was a security concern for a long time because right, the, the embassy being in Tel Aviv, um, all the business is done in Jerusalem. So what they do is, you know, they've got, you know, Tel Aviv. Well, Tel Aviv, just, just for clarification, is like, I, I said it was like the Miami, but it's also like a, a, a huge tech hub. Right. As well. It's, it's like, a, it, this is weird. It's like a hybrid between Silicon Valley and Miami. Miami okay. for like the nightlife, mm. the beach views, Silicon Valley for the technology. So okay. if you haven't been there, that's sort of okay. what Tel Aviv is. Right. And so, so you have the embassy in Tel Aviv, and then you got this hotel, basically, that our diplomats rent out. And it's less secure. It's, you know, kind of weird to I have, like, like a mile official business yeah. being done at a hotel like that. So, I mean, it, it, logically, it makes sense. But I understand there are people who feel very strongly about that. It's just, I, I think... Honestly, in two weeks, no one's going to care. Yeah. Like that. that you yeah. know, when, when, when I, but that's probably you know. because he's going to do something dumb. Yeah, in like two yeah exactly. No, yeah. He's, he's, he'll he'll get back on scene. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, no, yeah, it's full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Full circle. My <laughs> kids gonna come, go play for Tel Aviv. <laughs> <y'all>. <laughs> <laughs> but now, nah, now nah, I agree with you. I think first and foremost, similar to um, you know what you just shared previously, Donald Trump, um, for President Donald Trump, unfortunately, has created a president. In which whatever he does, whether good or bad, is going to be criticized and demonized by especially people from the left. Um, so I think there's a the, the, that's that nature of that beast that no, no matter what he does, and that's the be, same thing for every politician. Yeah, it's the same thing for every like, same thing. And, with and, and like I said, like, I think and like uh, that's what I was going to say next because the same thing. I think 
My friend, me, my my friend Danny, he was on my podcast. An awesome guy. He's a Trump supporter. He's a big Trump fan. We have great conversations. And I told Danny, I said, what what only thing that troubles troubles me the most about some of the the Trump conversation is that a lot of Republicans and those on the right cannot deny that this that Obama did good things. They can't deny it. Like you can, you can say the if you didn't agree with the uh, the, um, the same sex marriage stuff, you, you can say all the, the Planned Parenthood. You can say there's so many things you disagree with, but there was things he did good. But if you ask most people, he was terrible. He was horrible. He was one of the worst presidents. So, like you said, both sides have groupthink and blindly associate themselves with the bad they did, and then positively associate with the whatever party that they're uh, connected with. You know, that's so funny because that's it's almost like the way it works. With sports teams yeah. you know like outwardly I'm going to hate on Texas A&M I'm going to talk about how horrible Aggies are and how suck, how their football team sucks but yeah. privately I'm going to be like man they have a lot of tradition and cool stuff yeah. at so the university I, I, that, that's a great analogy yeah. and I want, I want to bring that up really quickly because Oklahoma uh, they have a running back Rodney Anderson who went to Katie High School phenomenal running back I think he's rushed for like over 1200 yards in the last like six games or something like that wow. but he was accused of rape mm-hmm. this week <laughs> and it started to make headlines mm-hmm. and there's huge speculation that now now he might not be able to play uh, in, in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Still under investigation. Mm-hmm. They're you know checking to see if these allegations are the case. But it, it's very interesting because if you look at the Oklahoma message boards, the same people a year ago who were criticizing Baylor and saying that if oh, gosh, anyone crucifying yeah, Baylor, yeah, yeah. Oh, the ones yeah. saying yeah. if anyone is accused of sexual assault yeah. or sexual misconduct, they yeah. should not be allowed to play until they've been cleared by an investigation. Yeah. Rodney Anderson who probably is going to be a Heisman candidate next year yeah. because he plays for their football team, due process needs to take place. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Politics yeah. And sports. yeah, quote, unquote, due process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the court of public opinion, there is no such thing. Yeah. In yeah. the legal system, yes, I agree. Of if there's a rape charge, sure, yeah, he, yeah. it needs to be tried. But yeah. the court of public opinion, people are free to dis- to make their decision based on nothing, I mean, nothing but their own yeah. personal feelings. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, yeah. so, yeah, it's so silly. Yeah, there's, but, a, there's a lack of consistency. I think that's what trouble, like I said, even with our show, like we've, we've one week we brought in like um, the Houston chapter leader of Black Lives Matter on the show. The exact next week, we brought in the communication coordinators for Young Republicans parties because one of the biggest things that we saw is that in society, that everyone's so polarized and divided. I'm on CNN, I'm on Fox News, I'm on MSNBC, I'm on Huffington Post, I'm on BuzzFeed. Sorry if you're on BuzzFeed, you're making bad decisions. <laughs> but if you're on BuzzFeed, so everybody has their own little like even Facebook tailor made everything to yep. fulfill whatever ideological background you yeah. have, and so it's, it's very unfortunate that like to the point about Donald Trump um, that when something happens on either side there's going to be demonization by one group and praise by another um, and so the lack of consistency is what's, what's wrong so with the whole Jerusalem thing let's, let's, be, let's be as objective as possible let's take away if it's the Democrat or Republican Donald Trump or Obama do you believe this was a good decision yes or no if you believe it was tell me why if you believe it wasn't Tell me why. And we should be able to respect one another's beliefs and say, you know what, I disagree with you, but you're still my homie. I, disagree. I agree with you, you're still my homie. So I just think the problem with this politically divisive climate is that people don't have the tolerance. It's funny as they say we're tolerant, but you don't have the tolerance to listen to views and people from different sizes themselves. Well said. Yeah. That'd be, that's what yeah. said. Mic drop. See if we, <laughs> <laughs> see, if we, if we had video, like you guys do, that, that would just be a, that would have been perfect. <laughs> but no, I, I think that it's a great point. It's it's all about open ideas, communicating with others, listening to people. That's the biggest thing. Listen. Yeah. Like have a conversation with people. Don't don't shut up other ideas just because you might disagree. I mean, 
my viewpoints have evolved since you know high school, for example. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, just once you learn more, once you experience life a little bit more, your views tend to be shaped by you know the world around mm-hmm. you. So definitely keep an open mind, yeah. and uh, that's why I think you guys have a great podcast. Is you definitely encourage that conversation, that discourse, and you're accepting of all ideas. Yeah, basically. If, if you want to know somebody's opinion, you want to have a conversation. You want them to feel confident enough to have that conversation. You guys do that uh, on your show, and we're huge fans. And uh, first off, thank you guys so much for stopping by the no, studio thank today. You guys. This, this is fun. And, fun. Yeah, yeah, and, this is and, and for our listeners, uh, you know, that want to check you guys out, how can they find you on social media? Where can they find your podcast? Tell us about that. Man, you can find us on everything. So we're on the iTunes podcast at the Roommates Podcast. We're on Google Play. We're on uh, SoundCloud. We have a Snapchat now. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. At the roommates HTX. Yes. So Houston, Texas, but HTX. Do we have all that cool stuff? <laughs> we don't have Snapchat. We don't, we don't have Snapchat. Shame Get on, on Snapchat because yeah. I heard Snapchat's a new wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Twitter and uh, Instagram is the same thing. Uh, roommates HTX. You can find us there. Um, we have direct links to our podcast. You can see all our old episodes. We're on episode what? What episode we're on now? 49. Oh yeah, we're yeah. still young in the game. So anything, yeah. anything big coming up for episode fifty? Uh, we'll Ooh, see. We'll see. Yeah, 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 we yeah. have somebody coming in. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. If they, bottles, if, yeah. no. Oh man! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if y'all want to pop some bottles, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sign right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Always get a waiver. <laughs> so, so who do you guys? Episodes drop on Monday. Who do you guys have coming up this week? Can you can you tease it? Because by the time this show is of course, out, of course, y'all so, should be out. As so well. we have we have Dr. Monica Patel. She was on Married to Medicine Houston, so one of the yes. few reality shows that made it to Houston. Um, she's she's hilarious. Oh my she, lord, she's so funny. She she has she has really good range. You know, it's, it's 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 if you want the embodiment of our episode, we describe our conversation as entertainingly educational enlightenment, right? So it's like we're it's funny like a sitcom. It's you know educational like a TED talk, and then it's enlightening like a sermon. So it's like this crazy range, and you will see that. In the episode, yeah, you we know, have there's, range. there's moments where it's like, "Wow, this is great," and then moments where, like, "Mom, forgive me for this." Yeah, like, right, exactly. <laughs> Mom, please, I'm exactly. so sorry for bringing this up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. Huh. So, yeah. so I guess, I guess, what's the most rewarding things that you guys find about podcasting? Like, what, what do you enjoy about just getting together and, you know, honestly, just like shooting the shit? Because that, yeah. that's what we do yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think one, it gives it gives me a, a place where I can be myself. And uh, and people can learn um, what I'm going through as a young man in, in society, and also people can relate to me as well. Like, I mean, just having people that either you don't know or family come to me, like, man, what you guys are doing, the conversation you are are having, guys are not having, and uh, and it's it's crazy because I mean, if you're like a mother listening to this show and you have a son um, that our age or younger, this is exactly what he's gonna go through. You know, we are we have those kind of conversations, so everybody can relate. And it's 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 uh, therapeutic. I mean, it's like you can see during the episodes when we talk about our heartbreak, and our relationships, and um, and how can we help out one another, and how can we can recover from things that hurt us, and how can we bounce back. Um, so, to me, it was just it, I have grown so much in those what forty eight. Uh, weeks that we did the podcast, and I felt like I grown in college. So the one year anniversary is coming up. Oh yeah. man, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to tell you this Friday. Yes, we're having a live show celebration. Uh oh. We Tell want you it. guys there. So this Friday we're having a live show celebration. We want we want to bring in all the amazing people. 
who supported us, all the amazing people who've been rocking with us, and to show people what the podcast is about. So the, basically the live show is like a 80-person podcast. It's like everyone gets together, <laughs> yeah, no. free food, free drinks, you know, like it's just a super fun environment. But the biggest thing, and we, this is what excites me about the podcast, about the live show, about what we do, is that we're creating a world in which whether, no matter your ethnicity, yep. no matter your religion, yep. no matter your sexual orientation, your yep. political beliefs, no matter, no matter what it is, you can come and be who you truly are. But we're not going to be like, oh, whatever you can. No, we, you can be, you'll be challenged. People can disagree with you, but at the end of the day, we're still friends. We're yep. still family. And that's the type of environment we want to create. We're not creating group things. Oh, we only bring in these voices. Like, we bring, brought in feminists. We brought in all kinds of people on the show who we don't agree with to- in totality. But like I said, we want to create environments where people are able to hear a different view from somebody and not demonize that person and respect and value them. That's so, the way to do it. Yeah. Yep. So I'm super excited about that. I would love for you guys. Dude, to I'm there. Oh, I'm there. Perfect. Football season's over. Uh, there's, there's nothing to do <laughs> until yeah. the Astros in the World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so Friday night, I'll get more information offline for you guys. But uh, Afiz, Chris, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank today. you. We really no, appreciate it. You. And awesome. if you want to follow yeah, their work, just search awesome. uh, Roommates Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, also really Roommates really HTX on social media. And if you want to follow our work, you can just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, hey, Instagram. The best. Sports podcast in Houston and gonna be the <laughs> yes. best sports podcast in America pretty soon. I believe in these guys. And also, Man, I think I think this is like a hell of a collab episode. Hey, yeah, it I, is. I think this is a lot of fun. So this, yeah. this was way this like the, the fun level is definitely elevated. <laughs> yeah. past, like, I know. <laughs> we're all like raising the microphones so we can see each other. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But guys, yeah. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun today. And thanks Thank again you. to uh, the roommates for dropping by. Also, thanks to Lee Jenkins. Shout out sports, to Lee. Yeah, yep. Shout out to Lee. From, hey, we know uh, in the Sports Illustrated girls, man. Go ahead, holla at me. Please, please, Lee, come on the show. I would, man, bring some guests. Amen and amen. (laughs) So thanks to uh, Lee Jenkins for stopping by, talking a little NBA, and uh, thanks to Hunter for arranging that. Hunter, we hope to have you back here in studio shortly. Shout out to Hunter. And on behalf of my co-host, Jeremy Paxson, my name's Austin Statton. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Weekly Brews.